I'm a fish boy who skates for Team X Blades with a leprechaun Who plays basketball, come to my smart house Meet my alien sister, don't come hungry Because I'll bet my mom can't Hi everyone and welcome to Mom Can't Cook, a decom podcast. I am teen pop sensation Andy Farrant and my new single, Pieces of Andy, is dropping soon on the iTunes. Get involved. And I'm your other host of Mom Can't Cook, Luke Westaway. And I'm not going to do any funny bits or skits or goofs or spoofs until I get the apology from Andy that I deserve. Uh, Sorry. All right, let's move on without finding out what that was about. Yeah, well, you don't even know what you're apologising for, do you? Yeah, but I probably don't need to, do I? It's probably something stupid. (laughs) Okay. Well, do you want to tell the listeners what I've been receiving in my inbox, Slack messages, WhatsApp regularly through the last week? You want to tell people what you've done? I mean, you're going to have to be more specific. I send you a lot of Lawrence Brothers related uh, Instagram posts. Yeah, you do. I send you um, a lot of good, good memes. Well, th- those you th- don't reply to. A lot of those things just, uh, I sort of smile at them and then they slide off my brain and it's all fine. Mm. But are you talking about how I keep tricking you into listening to the music from Jumping Ship? Yes, I'm talking about how you keep tricking me into listening to the music from Jumping Ship. Okay, in my... What di- else would I be talking about? What other... What, what, there's no other way you've been torturing me this week. <laughs> in my defense... All right, in my defense, it's very funny. Okay. Andy will sort of send me a message with... A, with a con- it seems really important, like, does this sound okay? I think the mic is broken or something. And then I'll <laughs> hit play and it's... okay okay right i'm luke i'm sorry i have prepared a statement okay an apology statement yes Uh, i've given it to our editor okay who is now going to play yeah i think i know what this statement's gonna be i think you might be surprised luke so here is my heartfelt apology in audio form Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> you felt pretty gay, <laughs> you clown. Okay, right. This time we're doing Stuck in the Suburbs. Yeah, which uh, is a film that I think is fairly tight and coherent, more or less, and then unravels into a series of very long bicycle chases in its <laughs> final act. Um, which honestly, I was relieved at yeah. because it meant that I didn't have to take so many notes. I could just yeah. write down another long bicycle chase happens yeah. here. Another long musical montage. There's yeah. two long musical montages, which is great. It's like you get yeah. to catch your breath. Yeah, I know. Go and fetch a cup of tea. Well, and luckily they're the exact same montage, just played twice. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. Anyway, we'll get into it. Shall we hear the Disney promo for Stuck in the Suburbs? Yeah, let's see what Disney thought this film was. Next, he's got it all. The fame. There he is! Ah! The talent. The adoring fans. Good morning, Jordan. The only thing that he's missing. My whole life is on that thing. Is his cell phone. This is Jordan Cahill's phone. He wants all of his hair cut off. And Stuck in the Suburbs, a Disney Channel original movie. Coming up next on Disney Channel. So regardless of what Disney thinks, yeah. what this film actually is, is about a teen girl called Brittany, yeah. who is lucky enough to swap phones with a pop star. Yeah. A genuine, bona fide, A-lister pop star. Pop star sensation. Jordan Cahill. Jordan Cahill. 
So should we just should we should we crack on because it won't be long before we're talking about Jordan? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I feel like that's probably going to be the bulk of our of the podcast. So the film kicks off with some 2004 pop music. We get a montage of magazine covers featuring this pop idol, Jordan Cahill. Yes, all all of these magazine covers look like they were made in about four seconds using MS Paint. Yeah, they are varying levels of attention to detail of pop icon magazines. They're so good. So they've clearly got like six stock photos of sort of young people. Yes. And they use the same six photos of these people on every cover yeah. of these magazines. Yeah. And they're all called things like Michelle and Derek. Yeah. They've got like headlines that say things like, he's got a new tour coming to you. <laughs> Tons of Jordan picks to decorate your locker. <laughs> Michelle, why she rocks. Derek is hyped about his new music. <laughs> it's not very convincing. It's not very it? good. One of the box outs says Brenda Song. Which is, it's not a headline, it's just a cast member. So sometimes... <laughs> I didn't spot that, that's amazing. Sometimes they're doing the cast in the magazine, sometimes they're just titles on screen. Can you imagine them pitching that to Brenda, be like, oh, and Brenda, keep an eye out because we've put yeah. a, lit- a special treat, a little Easter egg in for the attentive fans. <laughs> the magazines are called things like Star Studded. Yeah. One is called Exploit Magazine, which is a little on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. There's, there's another one later called Issues Magazine, which <laughs> I really like. My favourite headline on any of these magazines is the one from Exploit Magazine. Yeah. It says, Jordan tells all, colon, Jordan Cahill covers all topics in our very <laughs> exclusive interview. A, aardvark. I have no strong opinions on the aardvark, although I've seen one once in a zoo and it looked at me. Derek talks about string theory. Derek details the processes involved in yoghurt production. All topics. All topics. Yeah. These are all topics covered by DCOMs. You don't need to read this magazine. That's true. Uh, so we do get the impression that this Jordan Cahill is a really big deal in mm. the in the teen pop sensation world, despite, I would say, uh, looking roughly 34 years old. <laughs> now, I looked this up. He's got like persistent five o'clock shadow. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, so I looked this up. Um, the actor who played Jordan, whose name is... Taron Killam. Thank you. Was a Saturday Night Live cast member. Oh. Uh, went on to be. And he's, wow. he's married to uh, Kobe Smulders Whoa. from the Marvel films. Wow, pretty yeah. cool. So, yeah, at the time of making this film was in his early 20s. So I'm pretty sure his extremely aged appearance is completely down to the hair they've given him. <laughs> we're gonna, um, we're, this is not the time to talk about the hair. No. There'll be a lot of hair talk. There's going to be a great deal of hair talk. Huge amount of hair talk. So anyway, this this montage ends and we see an ordinary suburban street. Boy, this could be anywhere in America. Although this film was largely filmed around New Orleans, I think. We see an exhausted looking mother Mm -hmm. driving a people carrier full of teen girls, all in soccer uniform in the back. They're all gossiping and yakking away on the backseat. And uh, one of them is Brittany and all the other girls are just loving her new shoes. They're one of a kind. Absolutely nobody here has them. You're so lucky. So whatever you're imagining for these shoes, stop imagining that. They're the ugliest pair of flip-flops I've ever seen in my entire life. The girls flip out and lose their mind. (laughs) It's like a flip-flop that you've sort of stuck a pom-pom to. Yeah. It's like a a flip-flop you've thrown at a Christmas tree. Yeah, exactly. It's a pair of Havanas, however you pronounce that. Yeah. That uh, you've stuck a fake flower onto with super glue. Yeah. And you can't understand why your Etsy store is doing so badly. (laughs) These exclusive shoes. There's, 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 they're one of a kind. Absolutely nobody here has them. I mean, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the mom pulls up at uh, the mom, then stops the car at a random house and um, says to all the girls in the back, "Hey, is this anybody's house?" 
they, they all say no, and yeah, with a this... sort of gaunt expression and a desperate sigh, she drives off again, visibly yeah. sinking into a deep despair. This isn't Britney's mum. I'm not really sure what the joke is here. I think no. it's just that I think I think what this is meant to underline is how like similar everything in the suburbs is. It's like all the houses look the same, yes, everything's that's it. the same. That's it. That's it. There's nothing sort of distinguishing or interesting about where they live. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what they're going for. So mm. eventually they do drop Britney off, and despite the very sad and tired car mother's protestations, all the girls bail out of the car and sprint into Britney's house because yeah. it's almost 4pm. This exhausted mother exchanges a look with the woman who we assume yeah. is Britney's mother and indeed Something is. Something is happening at 4pm. Yeah. Um, as this is happening on the screen, we get a credit saying this oh my film God. is directed by Savage Steve Holland. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be like a pro wrestler yeah, film director. <laughs> Oh yeah, brother! I'm gonna direct this film for the Disney Channel. Yeah, could there be a scene where Britney gets put through a table? Let me lay this on you, brother. There's a scene where Jordan Cahill gets put through a table in the steel cage, brother. This jabroni Jordan Cahill. He's been talking trash. Okay, everyone, that's lunch. See you in an hour. Man, I love Savage Steve Holland. The Brenda, the that was fantastic. But let's take it from the top and I want to see 10% more this time. Tonight. And also put Britney through a table this time. In this very film. <laughs> anyway, that uh, made me laugh for about 10 solid minutes. Yeah, I wrote that in capital letters directed by Savage Steve Holland. So, um, uh, yeah, the girls yeah. all crowd onto the sofa. A little brother is there playing a video game. His name is Cooper. Yeah, get out of here, Cooper, they say. No way, I still have three levels says the boy uh, here says Brittany she shoots something it explodes and that apparently beats three levels of the game yeah cooper says that he's been trying to finish this for three months yeah uh, didn't think to press the button that shoots the thing <laughs> and explodes it okay so this game i just want to describe what it looks like yeah yeah, um, yeah okay there's an there's an empty alleyway yes. there are two blue balls on the sort of hud yeah in the bottom <laughs> right of the screen there's some sort of cylinder with wheels it's a car maybe in the bottom right yeah there's something green floating <laughs> on the left yes when Brittany presses the button concentric blue circles appear on the green thing they don't emerge from the car right they just appear on the green thing and then the green thing blows up and that was three levels of the game yeah i mean that constitutes another three months of work for cooper (laughs) 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 trying to maneuver these shapes into the right order (laughs) that makes something explode it's like if you explained video games to an artist in like the 1700s yes and then said right now paint what that is this is how video games look and have always looked to my grandparents, I think. Yes. When they yeah, look yeah, at yeah. the screen, this is what they're seeing. Right. If you gave yeah. your grandmother a copy of Blender and said, right, yeah. now render me a scene from a video game. Yeah. And she, well, she'd probably say, Luke, I'm really tired. <laughs> I didn't work all those years to have to learn Blender in my frail yeah. dotage. Luke, when will you get a real job? <laughs> well, maybe when you inspire me with your good blending. <laughs> Anyway, the game is now complete because of the the green thing blew up. So yep. the remote is passed and now music update is on the TV. Oh man, I love the in-universe TV show music update so much yep. because it is hosted by a presenter who honestly treats his MTV style job of delivering pop music news <laughs> updates like he's a war correspondent. <laughs> 
he delivers everything so seriously, so, solemnly. Yes, yeah, he's also he's also one of the. I think he's one of the models from the magazines in the opening. Oh, well. I mean, you know, when you've paid an actor, you may as well yeah. use all of their face and you know get them for the mm. the covers so, and stuff. What's up? Solemnly says this man. <laughs> Next up is the premiere of Jordan Cahill's new video. Mm. Uh, the girls scream. The brother passes out from the pain. Uh, the mums are losing their will to live. Exploding on the scene after being voted as America's national icon, Come here. Jordan dropped one, two, three number one singles in a row. Now he's going for number four with Make a Wish. We're told more about Jordan. He exploded onto the scene after being voted as America's national icon. So I guess he, he was voted America's na- national icon. Beating the eagle. Beating the eagle. Yeah. Beating yeah. Abraham Lincoln. People are but now getting full is... back tattoos of Jordan Cahill in front of the Stars and Stripes. This is so confusing to me because it says he exploded onto the scene after being voted America's national icon. Well, so he, he was would, voted America's national icon <laughs> yeah. while an unknown. <laughs> well, I mean, that's quite an upset. You would, yeah. I mean, that would make him quite famous, wouldn't it? They say in like later in the film that he was like a struggling musician playing in basements. So it's yeah. like America's national icon, this guy who plays music in a basement. This guy who struggles to play music in a basement, aged fourteen, I guess we have to assume. Yeah, yeah. Um, he dropped three number one singles in a row, and now he's going for number four with Make a Wish. Make a the Wish. Girls are losing their minds. And now we see Jordan's music video for Make a Wish. Uh, the music video <laughs> is scenes of Jordan and what looks like a hostage. <laughs> it's a, a confused looking girl who's with him. And here's what happens in this music video. Jordan and the girl are on a roller coaster. She looks about 12 years yeah. old. He looks about... Charitably, 25. Yeah, they are together on a roller coaster. Yep, she's leaning really far away from him on the roller coaster. (laughs) She's trying to bail out. (laughs) Then then we see them both at a birthday party on a lawn. Then we see them both on a carousel. Then we see them on the roller coaster again. Mm -hmm. Then we see them on a carousel. Then we see them at the birthday party. Clearly the available resources. Yeah, they saw over to the roller coaster and there was no line. So they were like, oh, let's go again. (laughs) Let's go again while the line's short. Uh, the girls are sort of dancing along to the music video in the lounge. Um, then they run up the sofa and sort of ride it down. Even though, like, it's a new video, right? It's like here's the new music video, and they know all the steps. Yeah, well, there was they probably detailed the steps in Exploit magazine or something. Oh yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. I do believe that is actually a thing that happened. So they do a synchronized dance to it. They jump and tip over the sofa like singing in the rain. That's a hip reference. The kids will understand. Yep. <laughs> they collapse in a laughing heap. Mum is not impressed. So later on in Britney's house, mom is going around. She's doing homework checks. She has three children. Mm-hmm. First, she checks on the littlest one. This is Cooper. She catches him dancing around, I think. To Jordan Cahill. To the music of Jordan Cahill. And playing a Game Boy. Yeah, she takes away his Game Boy Advance SP mm-hmm. and folds it up. Then she goes to check on the oldest child. This is Jessie. Yeah. Jessie is a smart nerd. Yep. She is working hard and diligently and doing her homework, but she is annoyed at the noise coming through the wall. Jesse is a redundant character who may as well not be in this film, so don't worry too much about Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Cooper, on the other hand, we're going to have a lot to say about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brittany's room, when mum goes to check on Brittany, is a shrine to Jordan, a religious grade shrine. Mm-hmm. Jordan posters of varying levels of attention to detail yeah. cover every available surface. Brittany is in her room and she is playing an acoustic guitar. And she is working on her music. She's working on a song. She's stuck on the lyric, the door is closed on. Yep. Um, But she doesn't know what the door is closed on. Yeah, she doesn't know what the door is being closed on. This is how songwriting occurs. Her mum quizzes her on this. Like, why are you doing this instead of your homework? And thinking quick, Brittany says that what she's writing is a mnemonic device to remember 
uh, her homework and that the door is closed on is a trick to remembering yeah. the states that ratified the little known, she looks at issue magazine, Beyonce Amendment. Mm-hmm. It's a, some, I think it's a local newspaper or something yes. and we get a shot of it and clearly, you know, in the in the days of standard definition television. Have you also transcribed uh, you what's on this? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't transcribed it, but I, I can tell you that the text is sort of cut off horizontally yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't finish the lines, but you can make out what it's saying, which is that Beyonce played for some local students. Yeah. She played to 500 people for two and a half hours <laughs> and then signed autographs for all of them, yeah. which, okay, also- so... Also, in this unbelievable Beyonce concert. (laughs) Yeah, it says, Multi-talented artist wants to promote art, music and theatre in education. There is no image accompanying this. So Beyonce did a concert for 500 people and no one thought to take a picture. It says, Beyonce hosted a charity event in town that brought together the entire community. And this is the bit that I'm stuck on. Beyonce was invited by city officials to entertain the audience and apparently said yes. Well, so if you're the mayor of a small town, just drop Beyonce a line. She will come and perform for free to school children. To 500 yeah. people for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Like a regular Beyonce concert isn't two and a half hours. You wouldn't get that at the, at the O2, would you? No, you wouldn't get two and a half solid hours of Beyonce. So I was like, okay, they must have paid Beyonce to appear at this thing. They must have like funneled the city's money into this. So I looked up how much it would cost. All of the city's money, I imagine. Yeah, how much did it cost? How much? Okay, so I looked up how much it would cost to hire Beyonce for a private concert. Yeah, yeah. I found a Forbes article. Okay. And apparently Beyonce headlined the launch of the Atlantis The Royal Hotel in Dubai. Okay. She played an hour long set. Okay. And she was paid $24 million. <laughs> so, so, so for a so, two and a half hour set, we're looking at. So double, double that. We're looking at, yes. Yeah, what we call it? 58, well, well, well. $60 million for a two well, and a half well, hour well. set. Shall we yeah. be charitable though? Because that's the fee that Beyonce commands now. This was 2004. 2004 is the year after Crazy in Love came out. Oh, damn. You're right. You're right. Beyonce wasn't any less famous in 2004. She was at the peak. Yeah. The peak. So in fact, maybe we should up that figure. Should we call it 100 million? 100 million dollars. Bearing in mind there is an hour of autographing. An hour. Every single person there gets a meet and greet. with. She's not getting She's not getting through 500 people in an hour. No, I don't think so. All right. So this local town, just file away, has recently spent $100 million <laughs> on a Beyonce concert. <laughs> on a Beyonce for, concert for, for, 500 500 ch- for 500 students. And no one thought to take a picture of it happening. <laughs> So anyway, mum is not convinced. She picks up a booklet that is a, a notebook full of Britney's lyrics, and then she reads her daughter's lyrics aloud. Mm. Britney somehow survives this, even though it would kill me. <laughs> she reads the lyrics and they say, the door is closed on my dreams. Life ah! is being lived far away. Ah! D- <laughs> mum, don't read Britney's lyrics. She'll die. <laughs> You can't do this. So the mum the mum reads these lyrics and she's like, Wow, these are depressing lyrics, Brittany. Are you really this unhappy? Brittany slumps on the bed. At this point we get a shot of her computer monitor, which is surrounded by orange fur. Yes. And has a picture of Jordan Cahill with lank hair hanging down that honestly looks like he's about to crawl out of it like Sadako. <laughs> Brittany, are you really that unhappy? Mom. Oh. Must you be so dramatic? It's just a song. Ever heard of a little thing called teen angst? Please don't give me sad mom eyes. <sighs> okay, fine. Do I want to be here, where nothing but nothing ever happens? No. Or do I want to be out there, where exciting things are always happening? Yes, 
Hardly a secret. And yet, I'm the one accused of being dramatic. So the lyrics are, the door is closed on my dreams, life is being lived far away. That doesn't sound that sad to me. Well, she says the door is closed, not the door is closing. So it's like, oh, that's, oh, that's it. it. Life over. is over. So Brittany confesses to her mom that she doesn't want to be stuck here in the suburbs where nothing yeah. ever happens. And mom says, hey, well, if you're looking for something to do, why don't you help me in my Save Ashbrook project? Yeah. This Ashbrook is a 100 year old house that nobody wants. And she's like, oh, Brittany, you could help me yeah. in, in my quest to save the house. Brittany doesn't want to do that, but they do reach a compromise. Brittany will pretend her existence isn't soul crushing. Okay. That's, that's it. That's the compromise. It's a deal. Hey, Brittany, maybe just pretend to be happy and eventually you will be. Brittany's like, deal, mum. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, then the phone mercifully rings. Something called Chatterbox is sending uh, Brittany one million instant messages. That's Chatterbox with two X's. I am fans. And uh, it, they're all messages about Jordan coming to town. The film does this thing that it does a few times where it sort of switches rapidly into split screen to convey the mm-hmm. nerve centre rapid messaging of teen girls communicating hot Jordan news. Yeah, and then they tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and yeah, so forth. exactly, exactly. So it turns out that Jordan Cahill is coming to town to shoot his new music video. Why? It's never explained. So the next day at school, Britney's friend comes up to her and says, hey, you know those cool shoes that you have that we all loved? And Britney's like, yeah, they're only available from this little store in New York, and my aunt got them for me, says Britney. And the friend says, well, guess what? That store, dun-dun-dun, has a website. Mm-hmm. What? And now everyone has ordered Britney's special shoes online. So even Britney's shoes, the last bastion of uniqueness in her world of sameness, which isn't a word, but this film is going to insist continually that sameness is a word. At this point, Britney is dressed. We had a scene of her getting dressed in a way that hopefully would encourage Jordan to put her in his music video earlier. So she's wearing like double denim yeah. and a crop top and she's like trying to dress all cool for the music video. Yeah. Did you ever have anything happen in your hometown where you're like, oh, maybe if I look cool, I'll get in? Oh, it. that's a great question. Um, Nope. <laughs> nope. Nothing happened in my hometown. How about you? Um, Yeah. When I was like quite young, sort of primary school, I was about seven or something, um, like a TV weatherman came to our school Ooh. to like judge a contest about something. Oh, that's good. And like whenever he was nearby, I, I was like, oh, I'll know what I'll do. And I started like talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to horn in on his rack. Well, no, what I was, hope- what I was hoping w- would happen would be if I'm like, oh, getting a bit cold now. Must be a cold front. He's like, hey, you've got something special, kid. Yeah. He'd be like, ah, oh, <laughs> what if we had a show called Kid Weatherman? You remind me of myself. Yeah. When I was just getting my start standing around in a field commenting on what the weather was doing right now. Oh, sure, it was my passion. <laughs> but I, I never knew I could turn it into a career. But the we- Andy, the weatherman doesn't say what the weather is doing now. <laughs> I know that now. I was seven. Oh, that's really sweet. I was imagining the sort of the kid weatherman yeah, show yeah, yeah. would be really yeah. good. And to be fair, the weatherman doesn't have to go out himself and figure out what the weather is. If someone tells him and he puts it into digestible information. Well, I didn't know that yeah. either. I thought the weatherman had to know about had to know what the weather was. Yeah, he grabs you by the lapels. Oh, so you think you know the weather, do you? Yeah. What's the weather doing right now? What's going to happen in Newcastle in four days' time? A bit cold. Damn this kid. This kid's <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> is it getting a bit colder or warmer? A bit colder. Holy shit! <laughs> He's got the X Factor. He's got it. <laughs> he has the gift. The one of prophecy. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Farrant, I wish to buy your son and take him <laughs> take him away with me to the mage school of weather prediction. He will become my apprentice. <laughs> you will not see him again for 14 years. He will live and work in the Citadel of Weathermen. <laughs> 
But once you cross that bridge <laughs> to the isolated fortress of Weatherman, you may never return to your old life. I understand. <laughs> It'll stop him talking about and- the weather at least. Oh, that's brilliant, Andy. That's, that's such a lovely mental image. I love that. It makes me wish that something had happened to me when I was young, but it didn't. <laughs> Nothing happened to Luke. Dave Benson Phillips came to our school. No, no one knows who that is, though. No, that's the problem, unfortunately. Mm. Okay, so... We cut to the lockers. Yeah. All the girls have Jordan's picture in, in Yes. Them. Good morning, Jordan, they all say, and blow him a kiss. Yeah, they do a synchronised kiss blow to their Jordan locker pictures. Good morning, Jordan! <laughs> Suddenly, a door swings open and in confidently strides a new girl at the school. Whoa. Her name is Natasha. She's dressed like an extra in an Avril Lavigne music video. <laughs> um, she's played by the actress Brenda Song, yeah. who is actually very yeah. good. She was in The Quarry recently, the video game. Really? Yeah, she was She was good. Oh, wow. She has a decom all to herself, right? Which we are definitely going to do because it rules, called Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior. Yeah, it's... Oh, my God. I'm looking forward to that one so much. But mm-hmm. here she's playing Natasha. She has a soccer ball bag, white pleather knee-high boots. A wind machine is constantly blowing yeah. on her. She sort of... She comes in like a sort of tornado to this small suburban town. Mm-hmm. And Brittany is immediately smitten. She's like, whoa, this girl is so cosmopolitan. Yeah. She doesn't know who Jordan Cahill is. The other girls can't believe. Yeah. That's how cosmopolitan she is. Yeah. She doesn't know about the biggest pop star in America. That's right. She's been living in Europe off and on for the last couple of years, she explains. Yeah. So I guess Jordan's pop stylings haven't penetrated the European market. Well, yeah, we're still, it's yeah. 2004. We're still, you know, stuck in. We're still loving David Hasselhoff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get down off that wall, David. Your time is done. <laughs> uh, Brittany is immediately enamoured. Natasha, all the girls have ponytails in. And Natasha says, apparently ponytails are back. Mm. While the shade sound effect from RuPaul's Drag Race plays, I'll have to make a note of that. (laughs) And Brittany hurriedly pulls out her ponytail. So then they go to soccer practice. During soccer practice, Brittany starts shakily pitching herself as a friend to Natasha. She's sort of (laughs) kind of hovering around her like a mosquito, like trying to describe all of the reasons why it would be good to be friends with her. You really lived in Europe? Well, my dad works over there. So summers, breaks, long weekends. The rest of this time I'm with my mom. New York? New York City, New York? I love New York. Not that I've ever been there, but the whole concept. I really see myself as more of a... So what are you doing here? I was apparently quite horrible to someone in my past life. And my mother was transferred. Ooh. So we get some more sports. There's some soccer. Um, Natasha is is bad at sports. We get some backstory. She lived in Europe and New York. Yep. Uh, Brittany loves the idea of New York. Yeah. Well, that's where her special shoes are from. Brittany stacks it into a hurdle. She's sort of pitching herself as a friend so hard. Back at the lockers after the athletic sporting day, Natasha says, OK, everyone, what's the deal with this Jordan guy? And Brittany, playing it cool, says that she thinks Jordan is OK, but everyone else is in love with him. Kind of cringe. Yeah. Who wants to be a part of everybody, right? Says Natasha, the cool, worldly girl that Brittany is in love with. Yeah. They arrive home. Natasha is with Brittany. Her mum has an armful of signs to save Ashbrook House, the local landmark that she loves. Brittany starts up towards her room, but then has a realisation <laughs> and makes her mum talk to Brittany about the house while she runs upstairs to de-Jordan her bedroom. <laughs> yeah, this is so good. She remembers that her room is a terrifying shrine to Jordan, who she's been pretending all day to not know about. She's got to throw the Jordan make-out mannequin yeah, out Yeah, so she's and- kind of sprints around tearing down all these posters in a way that I have to imagine would be perfectly audible downstairs because like, like, wait, wait, wait here. And then there's a lot of banging and clanking. Mm -hmm. And when Natasha gets upstairs, there's presumably like a big 
pile of scrunched up papers that all have Jordan's crinkled face on them. Yeah, there's barely a square foot of her room that isn't plastered with a picture of Jordan Yeah, Hill, and so. now her room looks conspicuously bare. But with like loads of bits of yeah, tag. Yeah, like bits <laughs> of plaster that have been pulled away by sellotape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't go in for posters. I just chip off yeah. little bits of paint in a... I'm more into sticking pieces of blue tack on my wall. Yeah, in kind of roughly yeah. rectangular shapes. <laughs> Uh, Natasha sees uh, the guitar. Brittany plays that down as well. She seems to think that Natasha will like her if she's a person with no interests or hobbies or distinguishing characteristics. Yeah. um, So when Natasha spots the guitar, she tells Brittany that she has a coffee house poetess thing going on, Mm. which I really struggled to hear. I had to turn the subtitles on because I kept hearing it as coffee house potus. (laughs) (laughs) We got the coffee house potus coming in. <laughs> so that's why why Secret Service agent Sammy Sims is that's always right. stealing yeah, coffee. That's why he's asking Coffee House Veep for his latte. Yeah. He's got a, a second side job guarding Coffee House. <laughs> so so they're in Britney's room. Britney sort of an instinct is activated in Britney and she goes yeah. to her wall. Like someone just walked over her grave. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, like a cold chill runs through her. <laughs> and she goes to her wall. Uh, the camera pans across to the other side of the wall and we see that Cooper, her little brother, is listening into her room with a stethoscope. With a medical grade stethoscope. Neither of their parents are doctors. No. So you have to ask yourself... Where did he acquire this stethoscope? Cooper must have really wanted to listen in to Britney's room to have acquired this stethoscope. Mm. It's one of many techniques we'll find that he has. Yeah, one of many troubling yeah. things that he will do he throughout will do. this film. So Britney bangs on the wall, yeah. deafening Cooper, and he comedically crumples to the floor. Yeah. But while she's dealing with that, Natasha has found her lyric book yeah. and read it. Yeah. So just everyone is just reading Britney's lyric Britney book. somehow survives this, even though it is, <laughs> even though your friend who you're trying to impress finding your lyric book and reading it aloud is fatal. Yeah. It's, a, it's actually fatal to every teen. Yeah. But it's yeah, a yeah, film, yeah. so Britney can actually survive this. Natasha picks out a particular lyric that she loves. And I think this gives you a, an idea of how bad the rest of the lyrics are, because mm-hmm. her favourite is An Island of Hope. In a sea of sameness. Yep. Natasha says, I love that. I've just written the word awful here in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> An island of hope in a sea of sameness. Jeez. But, uh, but uh, no, it's good because it, it, it conjures the, the ocean illusions andy because it's like an island mm-hmm. think of an island yeah and it's and the and this island yeah is an island of hope uh-huh. in a sea because remember the island so now sea it's a sea right of sameness imagine you're adrift it, it conjures the image of being adrift on a sea of sameness and seeing an island of hope rising out of the waves it's not it's not a very good lyric though for a song if you've got music underneath that i think like all the s's are going to make it kind of hard to make out what you're saying and i mean also, i'm actually be, struggling you... to say it now yeah a sea of sameness a sea of sameness. yeah a producer is going to struggle with that and also what do you rhyme with that what do you rhyme with sea of sameness an island of hope in the sea of sameness i don't mind my lyrics being read cause i'm shameless <laughs> that's that's pretty good <laughs> I've existential fears that shall remain nameless. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Sameness. Yeah. Nameless. Okay. All right. I take it back. It's, it's a, a great lyric and Britney's a genius. But then the phone rings. Oh, that's right. It's the teen hotline. Jordan's coming to Lafayette, scream the split screen yep, girl. To shoot his music video. That's just around the corner, says Britney. But she catches herself because Natasha's there. Yeah. She tells Natasha because she really wants to go. And Natasha's like, hey, we should go just so we can mock the fans. Haha, <laughs> yeah. And Britney's <laughs> like, haha, yeah. I also would like to go there and mock the Jordan fans relentlessly. They'll probably be all like, Jordan, I, and then we smash cut to her saying, love you! <laughs> yeah, in the gaggle of screaming fans. Which is actually a very good cut. Yeah, it's pretty 
effective. It's funny. Yeah, good job. Um, what was his name? Monster Mash Stone Cold Steve Steve Austin. Austin. (laughs) Savage Steve Holland, yeah. So, they're at the mall. One of the fundamental problems with this film is it is attempting to tell a story about, like, a Justin Bieber-like, America's biggest pop star, right? Yes. But the struggle that it has is that it's trying to do it for only $5. Yeah, and they cast Taron Killam as it, who is a fine actor and an extremely good comedian. Yeah. But uh, he does not give off, like, teen pop idol vibes. Especially not when we first see him. So we see this gaggle of teen girls, of which there are about sort of 12 to 15 of them. Okay, can I just can I just read my notes here? I've got... Um, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hear how you've attempted to f- describe Jordan Cahill. Okay. Out walks Jordan Cahill, who is wearing... Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> a brown velvet three-quarter length jacket that is, I estimate, four sizes too big. A battered old soft trilby... He looks like The Undertaker. (laughs) So, okay, I didn't write The Undertaker. I wrote down like something from The Exorcist, like the like you could sort of see him in silhouette, kind of stalking down that moonlit street. I I thought about this quite hard trying to describe, and I don't know if this really gets it across in podcast form. But what I've written is that he looks like a snake oil salesman from 1910 who (laughs) travels from town to town peddling reborative miracle elixir. Like, he he looks like he's going to theatrically produce a cane and introduce his grim circus of the macabre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He looks like an Old West undertaker who will pull pull the gold teeth out of a corpse with a pair of pliers. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, like a Doc McCochran sort of of thing going on. Um, So all the girls are sort of crying, shaking, throwing up. Maybe they've had some of his elixir. (laughs) Yeah, they need the reborative power of his miracle cure. Only a dollar a bottle. Yeah, banishes dropsy. Um, so the director is, ex- meanwhile, is explaining yeah. the shot to Jordan. Let's have a clip of of that, and we can hear how Jordan feels about it. You see your reflection. You splash your reflection. You turn the camera. You strike a pose. You flip your hair. You do that thing in the music video. The girls join in, and boom! Big finish. Next thing you know, we're back on the bus of civilization. You got it? No, I don't got it. All right. What does any of this have to do with the song? I said, I don't want to do any more strut, strut, snap. Girls appear out of nowhere. (laughs) Flip your hair. Stop. I couldn't agree with you more, bro. That's why this time we're keeping it real. Look, the dancers don't come in until after the hair flip this time. Let's roll. So we're introduced to these two new characters here. There's Jordan, well, Jordan Cahill, first of all. But then there's also these two other characters. There's Jordan's manager, um, who's the sort of guy from the record company. Len, I think his name is. And then there's this guy called Eddie, who is Jordan's kind of personal assistant, but also his best friend. Yeah. And they were sort of um, friends before Jordan's rise to stardom. So he's sort of part of his entourage, but also, you know, the guy he keeps around to sort of keep it real. Yeah. So... Jordan is really not impressed with the direction that's being taken in this in this music video. Yeah. At this point, we get a shot of the T-shirt he's wearing underneath the brown velvet coat. It looks like a magic eye picture. Yeah. And he has on two gold necklaces. Yes. And bootcut jeans. They have like big, sort of big metal, yeah. kind of almost not quite tribal, but I don't know. It's mm-hmm. very noughties in an awful way. So this music video is being filmed in a sort of outdoor fountain in the town. The concept for the video is this. Jordan walks up to the fountain and splashes it with his hand. Some girls then go wild and then there will be what the director calls a big finish and then it will end. So as you can see, it could only be filmed here in wherever. (laughs) Yeah, It's like, 
I mean, it's it's the sort of water feature outside a shopping centre that like toddlers would run <laughs> and like splash in. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're like bored with shopping. Yeah. It's like, oh, one parent will watch them splash in the fountain while the other sort of hits up Whole Foods go or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but yeah, for some reason Jordan has 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 brought Tinseltown mm. down upon this small little suburban town. So a frustrated Jordan is is asking, what does this have to do with the song? More Than Me, which is the song that he's about to debut. Mm. I'd be complaining too, to be honest. This music video looks like it cost about $100. Yeah. Uh, it's explained, we're keeping it real. Don't worry, Jordan. This, this time, the dancers don't come in until after you do a hair flick. So the cameras start rolling. Yeah. Jordan stalks out into the yeah. centre of the shoot, looking yeah. moody and intimidating and not like a teen heartthrob. So Jordan starts stiffly jigging around in the fountain like a haunted tree. <laughs> And he he starts singing his song. And here's how the song goes. So just imagine, just imagine you're in the old timey West and (laughs) your humours need rectifying. You've got TB. Yeah, you've got TB, but you know, a wagon's rolled in and someone sort of stands up on a soapbox and starts twirling a cane and starts singing this song. Girl, you're the fire in my soul. Yes, you are. Oh, girl, I need you more than you can know. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, baby. You mean the world to me. Drive me crazy, can't you see? Anyway, Jordan gets this far through the song before livid, he runs out of patience, incensed with all this phoniness and storms offset. This is the era of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. You can't, you can't be competitive no. in that market with this no. song th- and this music video. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, you're right. Just, you can't. You're absolutely right. You can't. And we're led to believe that like Jordan is the apex predator of the pop world. Yeah. Right. He's not like a sort of indie choice for hipster pop lovers. Anyway, the song sucks. Obviously, he calls cut on the music video. He can't do this. Yeah. He walks past the girls who all die. Yeah. Where are my lyrics? He says, the reworked lyrics. So he's a tortured artist who's written his own lyrics. But um, <clears throat> Len, the manager, says, baby, Jordan, I love you. But the lyrics, they're for someone else. They're incredible, but they're not for you. Yeah. Your fans want songs about love. At this point, a horde of girls smashes into the window like zombies in Dawn of the Dead. Natasha, who hadn't heard of Jordan Cahill 20 minutes ago, is at the front jamming her face into the glass and like licking. The yeah, window. just trying to get one atom closer to Jordan Cahill at any cost. <laughs> so we can see Jordan's incredible pop powers at work here. But yeah, Len tells him his fans want songs about love, 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 yeah. and not the humour rectifying powers of Miracle Tonic. <laughs> his reborative Miracle Tonic. Jordan goes to eat something that has raisins in it. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, no raisins. I don't like raisins. And then Len fires a man for putting raisins in it. Um, But he's still not doing the song. And Len says there has to be a serious attitude adjustment. So Len sort of tells Eddie, who you'll remember is Jordan's friend, that, yeah, he has to go and basically give him a bit of a bollocking and talk him around. That's kind of Eddie's job, basically, to keep Jordan on track, on message. Eddie goes to Jordan, um, who hands him his phone and tells him to download all of his files to disk because his whole life is on that thing. And please... Please remember to download all my files. It's a disc. I know, I know. You tell me the same thing every day for like six months. I'm sorry, man. It's just my whole life is on that thing. I have a little faith. I got your back, man. Thanks, man. 
<laughs> Suppose I want to download everything from a handheld to a disc. Download his phone files to disc. What does Jordan think Eddie is going to do here? Well, you, you, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I had a one of these fancy phones in two thousand and four. It's, it's like it's a BlackBerry. Yeah, it said throughout the film that he's got a, like yeah. a fancy phone, but I presume you could sort of link it to a computer and pull the files off it, put them on a floppy. I guess, but even if we grant that, Jordan has instructed Eddie to do this every single day. So every day, yeah, Jordan gets one more disc that has largely, I imagine, the same files as yesterday's discs on it because he can't be mm-hmm. changing and adding to the files every single day. I just find it bizarre to imagine that Jordan has, like, his home is filled with, like, little mini-discs of the data that's on his phone. Especially when the data that's on his phone is, like, some lyrics. Some, Yeah, but those that's underlining how important his, his lyrics are to him, man. Because it's like those are those are the only thing he cares about. The important about. thing is that he says his whole life is on this phone. Eddie says that he's been backing it up on the daily to disc. Why why Jordan can't back it up to disc, I I simply don't know. But it's Eddie's job. Well, he's too big of a rock star. But Eddie actually hasn't been doing this. And we find this out because as he leaves set, Eddie grabs a cameraman and says, Hey, how do you download files from a handheld to a disc? And the cameraman rightly shrugs as if to say, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, mate. And walks, <laughs> yeah, and walks off. It's 2004. Um, So yeah, so Eddie has been living a lie for the last six months, apparently, sort of pretending to amass Mm -hmm. a great deal of storage. So Jordan, Jordan has never seen a disc. His data has never... No, well, he's a rock star. He doesn't have to deal with that. His data has never been backed up on disc. But he trusts Eddie. He assumes it has been. I guess. Okay. So we cut back to Natasha and Brittany outside... As Jordan leaves, his security clear the way, and they do this by basically violently shoving all these teenage girls out of the way. Yeah, they sort of punch they punch Brittany in the sort of neck, and she falls. Over. Yeah, she falls down badly hurt, spilling <laughs> all of her possessions. I imagine breaking many. No one apologizes. Um, they just keep walking. Yeah, but Eddie, in his clumsiness, trips over Brittany, and in the panic, <gasps> they pick up each other's phones. Yep, they're both scrambling for their belongings. We see Eddie pick up Britney's phone, even though it's bright pink and looks nothing like Jordan's Blackberry. Yeah, He runs to the bus. Britney straightens up. One of the other girls walks up and says, why aren't you answering? Uh, I'm trying to call you. Britney says, oh, my phone must be on silent. And then she pulls out the phone that looks nothing like hers and is a Blackberry. Yeah. This isn't my phone, she, <laughs> she says. says. With object permanence. <laughs> yeah. Cut to the bus. We pan to Eddie's bag. The pink phone is sticking out of it. This, this makes no sense. They could have so easily made them have the same phone. Yes. There's, yeah, in the film, and then and then it's a sort of believable mix-up. But if you're scrambling for your belongings, there is not a single chance in hell that you would pick up a bright pink phone that looks nothing like your phone and go, "Phone is a phone," and then that, that's like, <laughs> "Phone, I I, I recognise that shape, phone. <laughs> that's a phone. I have a phone, so this must be my phone. Simple logic. Once again." Once again, I have a phone. Phone acquired. Now to leave. I had a phone. Then I didn't have a phone. Now I have a phone. Everything is as it should be. Just, you know, if it was like the same model phone, then they sort of, they realise. Yeah. And they they had the thing where the person's trying to call them and it's like, why isn't it ringing? (gasps) This isn't my phone. Even though it looks identical. Yeah. That is. I don't understand. I I don't don't understand. A a rare misstep from Stone Cold Steve Austin here. From Monster Mash Undertaker. (laughs) From Bam Bam Bigelow, the director of this film. So, the phone swap has happened. Now the film can begin. Oh man, we are getting through this slowly. Walking home, Brittany tries calling her own phone, but there's no reply. Yeah. She realises that Jordan's like party you know, gang 
uh, have have got her phone. Well, she doesn't realise it's Jordan Cahill's phone at the, at the moment. She reckons it's um, yes. She yeah. thinks it's Eddie's because he was carrying it, and she calls him a roadie. She thinks it's just part of his road. Yeah, yeah. So she theorises that Jordan and his crew must be staying at quote that swanky hotel out by the freeway. <laughs> you know how all the swanky hotels are by the freeway. The swanky hotel out by the freeway sounds nice. You know, if you want to stay at the Ritz uh, here in London, you have to drive along the M25 for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to get the one by. It's a- the welcome break <laughs> services. All the swankiest hotels are by a big spaghetti junction. <laughs> Raffles in Singapore. You've got to drive 45 minutes out of the city. <laughs> so yeah, this hotel sounds nice. Sounds like a cheap filming location. So um, they get Jessie, the older sister, to give them a, a ride there. Jessie's learning to drive. Mm-hmm. There is some unremarkable comedy about Jessie being a nervous driver. Yeah. In the hotel lobby when they get there, the concierge tells Brittany that Jordan isn't staying here because... Yeah, that's his job. That's his job. But then Natasha gets involved and we find out a bit more about Natasha's whole deal and her personality Yeah, uh, when she sort of walks up in a no-nonsense way. She says to Brittany, act like you belong and don't take no for an answer Yeah, is her strategy. So she says, um, we know he's here yeah. to, the, to this concierge. Kip, she says, may I call you Kip? The man reveals that his name is not Kip, it's David. And nothing else then happens but bending to this unbelievable pressure. (laughs) David does, in fact, phone Jordan Sweet, gets through to Eddie. Eddie, of course, (laughs) just does not say, oh, yeah, send them up. Send them up to Jordan Sweet. Instead says, uh, kick them out, please, because we get this a lot. Turning up and saying, hello, I'm here to kill Jordan Cahill. Um, I know he's staying here and I won't leave until you let me kill him. The guy's like, fine. Ugh. Well, if you won't leave until you kill him. Uh, uh, Eddie, I've got a guy here in reception who wants to kill Jordan. Shall I send him up? Um, uh, no? no. No. I'm thinking no, I guess David. Saying no? Well, I tried. I'm thinking no, David. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm going to have a word with your manager about common sense. Yeah, Kip. And trying to deploy it a little bit more often. But um, yeah, uh, Natasha does say that until they get their thing back, they're not leaving. So it's like, you know, she the explains that they've got the phone, basically. And Eddie's like, oh, I've heard that excuse like a million times before. He hangs up yeah. and then he's like, oh, you would, won't believe it. These, the schmo at the front desk was saying these girls had my... And then he looks across and he sees the bright pink, <gasps> totally different phone. Dun, 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 and he realises what's happened. Hey, look, the thing, it fell, he says, and he runs out of the room. He sprints downstairs trying to catch the girls before they leave. Yep. But he gets there too late. Yes. The car pulls away and he shouts, no. And then he runs and collides with the car with his head and hurts himself quite badly. And yeah. no one notices for some reason. He runs into it with, with a huge thud and collapses to the floor, yep. kind of under the back of the car. Jesse, who's driving, says, what was that? Brittany looks back and says, I don't see anything. So they drive off having yeah. probably killed someone. Well, yeah. Car. And then we get a shot of um, Eddie sort of like weakly raising his head and then he he appears to pass away <laughs> he gently does. gently passes away and the girls drive home uh, but apparently he does live because we cut to the fancy hotel again and eddie is on the phone dialing he's going through the contacts trying to i guess he's phoning people randomly apparently no one on jordan's team has jordan's cell phone number yes which is a pretty big problem with this premise <laughs> yeah they work they work around it by saying oh well he has to change it so often they, but presumably they, someone you could just go to someone else who knows jordan and say can i see jordan's contact in your phone they say he changes it so often who can keep track uh his manager and pa i would assume <laughs> i imagine have yeah. to keep track of it what if someone wants to call this phone <laughs> presumably other people have this phone yeah. in their contact information also hang on 
Couldn't he just, like, if he doesn't have the phone number, like, he's just been called on that phone. Yeah. So why doesn't he just, like, do redial or, yeah. you know, what number just called me? Exactly. A a rare mistake. In fact, he doesn't even need to do anything. Like, it will be logged in the... All he needs to do is look at the recent calls in the pink phone. <laughs> yeah. The most recent one was, was from yeah. Jordan's phone. Exactly. A, a rare misstep from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the director of this film. <laughs> So yeah, Jordan comes in. Uh, they both try to apologise to each other at the same time. Jordan for pulling a rock star fit earlier. Eddie says it's cool. And then Jordan is like, that song is just nothing, man. Three years ago, we were just singing in, in basements. Eddie, you were backing me up. And now he's singing in stadiums and Eddie is still backing him up. And he says, you got everything you wanted, Jordan. And then Jordan's like, is this what I wanted? You think I was wrong? That song is about nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's got to good beat, something you can dance to. Look, I mean, three years ago, you were singing in your basement, and I was backing you up. Now you're singing in stadiums, man. I'm backing you up. <laughs> you got everything you ever wanted. Is this what I wanted? Oh, man, you are like the whiniest rock star I've ever met. <laughs> so we find out that Jordan yearns to bear his soul on meaningful tracks yeah. and leave behind his vapid pop life of immense wealth, wealth and, and yeah, prestige. He's a, he's a serious artist. Yeah. Uh, Luke, let's say, for example, that I'm pop superstar Jordan Cahill. Oh, my goodness. Yes, let's. And my phone has been stolen by a teenage girl who's now yeah. extorting me. Sure. But also say that I, I have a health issue. <gasps> and because I'm based in, in the US, I need to find a doctor. Yeah, you do. One who takes your insurance. But my doctor's details were all in that phone. And oh, now no. I'm, I'm slipping into a diabetic coma. Somewhere there's a teen girl accessing great health easily. Yeah, easily. Well, what do, what do I do? Is there some sort of free app where I could find amazing doctors and book appointments online? Oh, Andy, I can't. Be oh, sorry, I mean Jordan. Yeah, I Jordan. can't begin to describe how much you have lucked out, Jordan. Check the hair. Because all you need to do is get ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. I'm talking about appointments with thousands of top-rated and patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for, including hair reattachment surgery. All right, so we'll go to ZocDoc.com MCC and download the ZocDoc app for free, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc.com slash MCC. ZocDoc.com slash MCC for all your doctor needs. And... They also don't sell miracles. So 100% on that. Because that is bad science, yeah. Jordan. I mean, I'm Jordan in this situation. Bad science, yeah. me. If you Jordan. find a doctor and they're twirling a cane and inviting you to take a, a sip of their reborative and restorative miracle elixir, just say no. Andy, I've got a big problem. Okay, tell me, is it that you're stuck in the suburbs? Is that the problem, Luke? Are you an island of hope in a sea of sameness? Yes, I am. Well, I wish I was an island of hope in a sea of sameness, but unfortunately, I dress like an old-timey tonic salesman who's going state to state, being run out of town, every town on a on rail. rail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because no one wants to buy my miracle tonic, and I'm worried that it's because I dress too much like an old-timey elixir salesman, and I wish I looked a little bit better, especially my lower half. Well, great news, Luke, because bird dogs, who are kindly sponsoring this episode yeah make clothing that will make you look good oh yeah 
Amazing. And not like an old-timey elixir salesman. Oh, that's great. For example, bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. The sculpted look you've been after. I bet they don't have a special lining, do they? I was looking for something with a real special, specially engineered lining, so I don't well, know if it's going to work. Well, you're going to look me. like a, an absolute clown when I tell what? you that, that Bird Dog what? not only uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long, but also has the very lining that you just dismissed as being impossible. What? Yeah. That's right. How embarrassing. Yeah. I'm showing my whole butt on this one, but I won't be doing that once I put on my bird dogs because you'll never want to take these bad boys off once you get them on. I recommend going to the bird dogs website to have a look at these cool pants and shorts that, yeah, have this really interesting liner in them and that look really fashionable and cool. And you know what? Don't just go to the website. Go to a specific part of the website. This part, birddogs.com slash MCC. That's bird dogs, B-I-R-D-D-O-G-S dot com slash M-C-C because you'll get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's right, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you, make your crotch region an island of hope in a sea of sameness by going to birddogs.com forward slash M-C-C. <laughs> in a sea of <laughs> Yeah, this is a verbatim the copy I've got right here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brittany and Natasha are back at Brittany's house and they are checking out this mystery phone. Mm -hmm. It's way fancier than Brittany's phone, Brittany realises. It's got, a, for example, a full QWERTY keyboard. Yeah. It, they're looking at the apps on the colour screen. It's got TV, internet access. It has apps labelled calendar, internet, my lyrics, television and MP3 with a space between the P and the 3. <laughs> Which is so choice. That's how you know it's good. Um, Natasha says she used to have one just like this when she lived in Madrid. Mm. And Brittany's like, wow, Madrid. My dad won't even let me have Spanish rice because he thinks it's too spicy. He may have just saved your life, Brittany. Yeah. We all know what is going on with the Spanish rice. We know, we know Spanish rice. Well, that's, yeah, that's the sort of decom you shared universe. Yeah, right. That's, 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 what, that's what links this we, to... We, we all read this as a, a narrow escape founded. for Brittany. Yeah. Exactly. Um, then Brittany freezes as if someone's walked over her grave. <laughs> she walks to the closet in her bedroom and opens it to find Cooper in there. Yeah, she she pulls apart the clothes and reveals Cooper, who was lurking in the closet like Michael Myers at the start of Halloween. Yeah, he's in there just like listening. Yeah. He just wants to be in Brittany's room. Just breathing. All the time. It's like... Just heavy breathing. In the, yeah, in the closet. And you're like... That's probably what Brittany detected. Yeah. Sort of feeling of warm breath. Yeah, you know the starting. You know the start of Halloween where it's all POV from like the child Michael Myers. Yes, it's like yes, it's exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> yeah. So she chases Cooper out. Then the phone rings. It's Eddie again. So they're they're speaking once more. Sorry. He accuses her. So it's just this, when the phone does ring. This phone's caller ID flashes like red and black and says the caller's full name and phone number underneath. It is the least chill caller ID in history. I love it. Yeah, it's very very urgent. Yeah. Um. So it's Eddie. He accuses her of, of thievery, of stealing the phone. Brittany's like, hey, that's not fair. I just want my phone back. All I want to do is make the swap. Eddie says that he's really, you know, he's sorry for being a bit hot-headed, but he's really worried about this phone falling into the wrong hands, which is a little confusing to Brittany because she's like, falling into the wrong hands? What do you mean? It's just your... You're just a roadie. It's just, you're just a roadie. This is just an ordinary run-of-the-mill fancy internet phone. But then their conversation is cut short because another call is coming into this phone 
It's from 555-0175. Madonna. <laughs> Madonna is calling. The the non-chill caller ID is black and red flashing the words Madonna. 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 Yeah. So Brittany and Natasha are super excited about this. They take the call from Madonna and talk to her for one second, but blow it by screaming Yeah, they don't loudly. talk to her. They just shriek down the phone yeah. at Madonna. They go, Madonna. Madonna presumably says something. I think legally we can't hear Madonna yeah. say anything. She's like, oh, hello, it's me, Madonna. This is how I talk now. And then they just <laughs> scream at her. They scream at her, yeah. yeah. The thing is, you can put, you can say it's Madonna, can't you? And you can write the words Madonna because Madonna can't own, own the word Madonna, can she? Maybe it because... was, yeah, maybe it was the Virgin Mary. Calling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think if... If pushed, that's what the director of this film, Monster Mash Hedge Maze, uh, Steve Austin, Andre would, the Giant, yeah, Andre the Giant would say, he'd say it was a call from the Virgin Mary, <laughs> and, and understandably, the girls were excited. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, this makes Natasha realise, OMG, this is Jordan's phone. Yeah, she puts two and two together from the famous contacts. Yeah, um, and then she's like, anyway, I have to go home. Yeah, Bye. she says, don't do anything until tomorrow. And then yep. Brittany regards Jordan's phone happily. Uh, we cut. <laughs> we cut to school the next day. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, she does. She that's, looks that's at it. What she does. She looks at it like hmm. regards it happily. Regards it happily. Yeah. We cut to school the next day. Natasha, it seems, is bragging to the other girls about knowing Madonna, which is a bit of a stretch. Uh, Brittany breaks mm. it up. Just, I've got a note here that Brittany looks about six years older than these other girls. Yeah. They're all, they're all in a friend group together. Yeah, Brittany is racked by guilt, turns out, over what she calls an invasion of privacy that they've committed by taking Jordan, yeah. her hero, Jordan Cahill's phone. Natasha teases her, though, and says, hey, look, you wanted something exciting to happen in your life, and, and now it has. Then the phone <laughs> rings again, yeah. and it's Eddie. Uh-huh. The girls, sort of having talked each other up a little bit, say that they're not going to trade phones now, actually, Eddie, until they get to talk to Jordan. Yeah. Eddie pretends to be Jordan on the phone in a sort of... Hey, briefly, it's me, Jordan Cahill, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Briefly humorous skit that ends mercifully quickly. Well, the girls want him to prove it by singing a few bars of his hit multi-platinum record, Penelope. Um, he doesn't know it and also can't sing. Yeah. They're not convinced. But he, he should be able to sing because he was backing up yeah. Jordan... In the basement. And also... And that was like a backup singer, right? Yeah, and also there's a plot point later on that sort of requires him to be able to sing, but, it, we, you know... Yeah. Uh, he claims they sweeten his voice in post. So, like, Jordan was a sort of basement musician, which I take to mean a kind of singer-songwriter, acoustic guitar, working on his... No, I, I took that to, to mean he lived in a basement and sang to no one in the basement. I, I mean, yeah, that, that's also fine. But, like, he must have an acoustic guitar, right? He's Because he's a sort of soulful artist. Yeah. So I guess what I'm asking is, in that situation, what is Eddie doing? Is Eddie just sat next to him, occasionally harmonising? Just like, you know, rooting for him. <laughs> It'd be like if Jack Johnson had go on, an Eddie. Go on. Who would, go on, Jack yeah. Johnson, sing it. Come on, Jack. Yeah, sing just a song. hype man. <laughs> sing. Oh, he's going to do it. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Do it. Oh, he's going to do it. Oh, he's doing oh, it. And here's the bit where I come in with my harmony. Banana pancakes. Nailed it. <laughs> Great. I'm earning my place in this musical act. Man, I hope this leads to a lucrative uh, entourage job for me <laughs> down the line. So anyway, Eddie's role is confusing yeah. to me. No Jordan, no phone, say the girls. Fine, says Eddie, but can you at least give me Gwen Stefani's number? Jordan keeps asking for it. Gwen Stefani, aye, shriek the girls. <laughs> Repeat after me. No Jordan, no phone. Fine. But can you at least give me Gwen Stefani's number? Jordan keeps asking for it. Gwen Stefani? 
We cut to Ashbrook House, the dilapidated old manor that is apparently the most pressing social concern in Brittany's mum's life. Yes, it's the one that she's trying to save from, I guess, demolition. I don't know. Who cares? It's just a normal house. I really can't see. It's a normal house that was built in 1904, which I guess where they're from is extremely old. Fine. I can look out my window now and see about 100 houses built earlier than that, but that's fine. Whatever. Uh, So it's just a normal house. So Brittany and Natasha are there helping out with the campaign. What they're actually doing is holding up a sign that says honk to save Ashbrook House. Mm -hmm. And as far as I can tell, that is the extent of mum's campaigning. Yep. Like asking everyone to honk honk. as they drive past. In this like deserted neighbourhood where there's only this house. Yeah. So So the honks are heard by the house and nothing else. Every 50 minutes or so, someone will drive past and may or may not honk. Honk a bit. It's not not heard by anyone. Uh, Natasha says the house is an island of hope in a sea of sameness. Kind of harking back to the to the lyrics. Harking back to the great lyrics. Um, Brittany is like, yeah, but it is going to be torn down for a gas station and a coffee place. Uh, Isn't there a coffee place nearby already? Says Natasha. Yeah, but I can walk to this one. Says (laughs) Brittany. So she doesn't even care. Yeah, I mean. To be fair, it's nice to have a coffee place you can walk to. Suddenly the phone, Jordan Cahill's phone, freaks out. Hair appointment 3.30, says the phone, for highlights. Now, this is a calendar reminder, Mm. but somehow Natasha calls it back. Yes. There's a calendar appointment and Natasha's like, oh, I'm going to pick up the phone on this calendar appointment and does and gets through to Jordan's hairdresser. Mm. And she tells her, the hairdresser, yeah, Jordan's coming in. He wants loads of raisins and he also wants all his hair cut off. Now, this is so this is (laughs) okay. This is confusing because the earlier talk about Jordan hating raisins. Yeah. The girls weren't present for that. That was a conversation between Jordan and his management team. Yeah, they were behind glass and screaming. So they didn't hear the Jordan raisins thing. No. And yet she is now bringing up raisins, I guess, unprompted. Yeah, or maybe she's trying to do something genuinely nice. Maybe she's like, who doesn't like raisins? I tell you what, I'll sweeten the pot with some lovely raisins. Yeah, I mean, look, if I went to get a haircut and there was a big pot of raisins there waiting for me, I wouldn't say no. But yeah, she tells the... Dive right in. She tells the the hairdresser that Jordan wants all his hair cut off because she's an agent of chaos. Yeah. And then she hangs up. Brittany's like, what? No, you can't. We can't do this. But Natasha's like, don't even worry about it. It won't even happen. It won't even actually happen. Smash cut two. You guessed it. All of Jordan's hair has just been cut off. Yeah. He's just had one of those haircuts where you're turned away from a mirror for the entire thing. And no one checks with you beforehand what you're having done. And then Jordan would have been able to feel the scissors. (laughs) All over his head. Well, he's in a, he's in a raisin-induced stupor. <laughs> so unfortunately, he's drunk on raisin. <laughs> so yeah, so for, yeah, he's having one of these haircuts, as you say, where you don't see what happens at all, yeah, and you also don't pay attention to any of the senses that are like reaching your brain <laughs> while this is happening. The bit where they say, "Okay, and just to be hundred percent clear, we're cutting all your hair off." Yeah. Also, I guess no one else is there because no, like Eddie, no one's there to step in and be like, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, you appear to be cutting off all of Jordan's hair. Can you stop? I, I would also like to point out that when, you know, they say cutting off all his hair, they haven't like shaved his, him bald or anything. They've given him no. a still trendy for the time. Yeah. Sort of choppy little haircut. So, so this this hairdresser hasn't even met the brief that she was given over the phone. Yeah, chop off all cut. his hair. He wants all his hair cut off, but she hasn't. So Jordan is sort of swung round towards the mirror to face it. For the first time during this haircut. (laughs) Yeah, for the first time during this haircut. He screams, even though he now looks like Naughty's heartthrob Pete Wentz and not like a travelling elixir. (laughs) (laughs) But 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 he screams nevertheless, very unhappy. What have you done? He screams and then the woman sort of kneels before him and offers him raisins. Yeah, offers him her life. (laughs) 
<laughs> we cut to a family dinner at Brittany's house where someone sets down a big thing of raisins on the table. What is this raisins thing? Do you have you ever heard that in ET the the, the Reese's Pieces sponsorship? Yeah, Reese's thing. Pieces. It was supposed to be raisins. Oh, it was but... supposed to be M Ms, wasn't it? I was supposed to be. Um, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be M and M's, but M and M's didn't want to do the. I thought it was supposed to be raisins, but Steven Spielberg was like, "These raisins just look like rat droppings. They look horrible on camera." And I don't know if that's true. I may have just fabricated it in my head or misremembered something. I see. It doesn't really matter. The fact is, imaginary Spielberg was right because these raisins do look like crap on camera. They look like rat droppings. It looks like a big bowl of rat droppings. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I I guess um, Jake the Snake Roberts, the director of this film, was like, <laughs> "Oh, we need we need like a sort of like theme running through the movie about raisins, and then yeah. at the end we'll sort of figure out what it means or why it should be there." And then the through line. <laughs> but then he was bitten by his snake Damien, and he passed out before he, <laughs> from the venom. So that's probably what happened. Yeah. So anyway, we're at the dinner table now. Cooper, the little brother, is talking loudly to the dad saying he wants a cell phone. And then with some meaningful... Yeah, he sort of locks threatening eye contact with Britney. With Britney, yeah. And he says, I want one of those new ones with TV, with TV and, and internet, internet access. access. He's just hissing this. Yeah, it's a veiled threat to Britney, of course, yeah. uh, to like reveal that she has this phone and that she has lost her phone, which she would get in trouble for if the yeah. dad found out. But don't worry, because Britney has the perfect response, kicking Cooper's chair so hard it flies backwards and he flies out of it and hurts himself him quite badly, painfully onto the floor. But of course, you can't um, you can't kill um, you can't kill him forever. He'll just sit back up. Yeah, like Jason Voorhees. just lurch lurch back upwards. Yeah, yeah. Although you know, wait, hang on, sorry, I've just. I got so into our own fiction there that I forgot this director isn't actually a pro wrestler. I was about to say it showed it, this is a nice bit of chair work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> Savage Steve, what was it? Savage Steve Holland. Savage Savage Steve Holland, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he really is a professional wrestler. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's still nice chair work. Yeah. Okay. The landline rings. Dad answers. It's incoherent teen girl screams, but through through the through the shrieking, he's able to determine the news has just come in. Jordan has cut his hair. Brittany reels from the news. Yeah, their mind's real. Did she and Natasha make this happen? On TV, it's time for another music update. Oh my God. And the golden mane is gone. Let's hope his fans don't go with it. No word yet from Jordan's record company or management. The golden mane is gone, says the man on TV with the solemnity yeah. of the BBC announcing the death of the Queen. <laughs> I said it looks like he's doing coverage in the wake of a natural disaster. That's the note I have. Let's, <laughs> yeah, it's like let's hope his fans don't go with it. No word mm. from Jordan or his management yet. What? Why would Jordan and his management put out a statement regarding a haircut? Well, we, so, we cut anyway, to a crisis we, meeting with the management. Um, the yeah. hair was the money, says the manager. Uh, mm. Wait, more than me will be the premiere of a whole new Jordan Cahill image. If Rolling Stone will give us the cover, we'll give them an exclusive on the new look. Yeah. So Len, management genius that he is, yeah. he's talking about how everyone needs to have an image and then is stopped in his tracks by the most dynamite idea in the world. Mm -hmm. What if... Now go with him here, Andy. Okay, let's hear it. Go with Len let's here. Because you were... Everyone's upset about this haircut situation. But what if... What if... What if... What if a pop star were to... Stay, stay with me. Stay on my wavelength. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Change their image on purpose. Whoa. Could that is that anything? Uh, I can't. Could that be something? Uh, I don't know. How would it work? How would it work? What would they? They'd have to. I don't know. Cut their hair or something. 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you could uh, you could change your look, and, and and I know what you're thinking. No one will like that pop star anymore if they change their look. Yeah. And re- and rebrand. But what if? What if they did? What if that could somehow be sort of pivoted into something like in their favor, like something that was good for a pop star to do? I'm sorry, you've lost me completely. But is there not an argument for saying that could it could even, if you think about it, in- improve the longevity of the pop star or potentially be used to promote a new musical era? No, I don't. I think you have to just do the same song over and over and over again. Yeah, Madonna was right. While looking the same. Yeah. You've got to stay the same all the yeah, time. That's right. This really annoyed me. It really annoys me that Len stalks around for ages being annoyed about this haircut. Yeah. And then treats it treats himself like he's some kind of incredible genius for having the brainwave that we could sort of pivot this into a positive marketing move. Yeah. Well, that's why the director of this film, Chris Jericho, is still such a successful <laughs> pro wrestler after so many years, because he constantly reinvents himself with new gimmicks. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah, Len indeed tells the assistant offer Rolling Stone an exclusive on the new look if they'll give him the cover. Yeah. Uh, presumably Rolling Stone doesn't have anything else going on in 2004. Yeah, and Rolling Stone, you know, traditionally, I would say probably wouldn't cover the image changes of Jordan Cahill. No. The teen pop sensation, but whatever. Uh, I know what really happened, Eddie, says Jordan. Someone called the salon from my personal cell phone. J- Eddie's trembling. Oh, no. Is it about to be revealed that he's lost his best friend's phone? Yeah. Thanks, though, <gasps> says Jordan. All I ever do is whine about wanting to make changes. Half my career is about my hair. Now it can be about me and my music. Thanks for giving me the push I needed. You're a good friend. Half my career has been about my hair, says a man who has maybe the worst hair I've ever seen on television. <laughs> It is so bad. It's horrible. Both both haircuts are simultaneously the worst haircut. I, I don't seen. mind the new one. It makes me. It reminds me of Pete Wentz. Oh and no! A simpler okay. time. It, the problem is, what you aren't seeing, uh, listeners, is that it's got highlights, but in a sort of not in a very good way. It's like someone has painted the top of his head like bright yellow with a big like wall paint. You know, in brush. the Simpsons, Homer's makeup gun, where he like loads a shotgun with makeup. It's like someone's put peroxide in a shotgun and sort of fired it into yeah. Jordan's head and that kind of sort of s- splatter effect. Yeah. You know, in the Simpsons, when Lisa has the gum in her hair <laughs> and then everyone adds a bunch of stuff like peanut butter <laughs> and things. It looks like that, only all varying shades of yellow. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the thing you need to know is that actually Jordan, although he was initially shocked by his haircut, actually now he likes it. Mm. He feels like he's been given a, a new lease of life. Now his, his work is no longer about his hair. He doesn't understand hair, I think, because he doesn't now not have hair. He just he has a <laughs> yeah, he has a different hair. haircut. He doesn't now lack yeah. hair. He's not like I'm free well, of the, hair as a concept that was holding me back. The thing is, like, oh, now now it's not about my hair. And you would t- turn on any TV in that building, and it would be people shrieking about yeah. his hair because he's changed it. And the the focus is still his yeah. hair. The focus is more your hair it's just than the fact ever. that he changed it than, than has ever been before. Your hair is national news. <laughs> So anyway, Jordan asks, can I have my phone back now, please? How long does it take to back it up onto a disc? Mm. And Eddie, thinking quick, whips out a new box fresh cell phone, the same model, and hands it over. And Jordan's like, oh, that's weird. It doesn't appear to be turning on. And Eddie's like, yeah, I think I drained the battery by, by doing so much disc backing up. 
And Jordan's like, okay, yeah. well, that's fine. I don't need my phone ever and just wanders off. I'll call Penelope on a landline, he says. Yes. And Penelope, his girlfriend. Yes. And then he looks at himself in the mirror and says, I really don't look half bad. <laughs> which, um, is, which is what you aim not, for, not right? True. As, as, Incorrect. As America's leading, as America's national icon. <laughs> leading us, our national icon and heartthrob. People are tattooing you large on their back in front of the stars <laughs> and stripes. You've replaced the bald eagle on the, on the coins. America's enemies at home and abroad are going to love, love it. They are. If- oh, they're going to... Love this. I love this. America's national yeah. icon cuts his hair. Oh, Osama would love that. Yeah, do real, do massive damage to America's international reputation here. The laughing stock of the G8. So we cut to Brittany on the phone and she's trying to guess the password to Jordan Cahill's lyrics folder. But it's password protected. She feels a shiver like someone just walked over her grave and she looks under her bed and under there breathing heavily is yeah, her brother. I've written, um, help Goop, buddy, you need to rein this shit in. It, <laughs> he's just like under the bed lying there silently. Just Yeah, he's not got a, anything. He's not got a, a book or a Game Boy Advance no. SP. He's just lying what under the bed. What he's there to do is to hear everything that his sister gets up to in the yeah. privacy of her bedroom. Yeah, rein that in, buddy. It's, it, it's almost like Brittany knows he's always in the room mm-hmm. because it's like well she i mean yeah he, is. He, he always is but Brittany is like trying to get this password cracked open and then she's like you know who would be good at this cooper i know he's in here somewhere so i'll just find him <laughs> so then she sort of retrieves cooper and, and he comes out from un- under the bed and and she says help me help me break this password and luckily yeah. cooper does effortlessly hack the phone Here's how he does it. He deduces that Jordan yeah. is over 14, so he probably uses the factory settings. Because everyone over 14 just uses the factory settings. Not true, but fine. Brittany then invades Jordan's privacy, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then we cut to school the next day. She's telling Natasha about Jordan's lyrics. They're amazing. They're moving and spiritual and sweet about wanting to see the world and live life. The same things I write about. His lyrics sound awful. They're amazing. They're moving and spiritual and sweet. They're about wanting to see the world and live life. They're about the same things I write about. You two were practically separated at birth. See, his version of More Than Me is all about feeling trapped and isolated and wanting to be different. What are you wearing? Oh, just a little something I threw together. Cute. Thanks. Anyway, he misses his dogs and his girlfriend. And he loves playing flying toss or golf. Wait, what's that quaint little expression you used before? Oh, I remember. Invasion of privacy? Don't you understand? See, the Jordan we see isn't the real Jordan. They're forcing him to do all this stuff. They? I don't know. They. His people. Yeah, I think hearing this conversation, you can o- the only conclusion you can draw is that Len is a very good manager who is reining in Jordan's worst impulses <laughs> to put out extremely yep. unpopular and unmarketable and unlikable self-aggrandizing mopey lyrics. About how hard his life is. What he should do is, you know how um, Garth Brooks has uh, Chris Gaines. Oh yeah, like a, a separate person, like persona. Yes, he should just let him have a have a Chris Gaines. Yes, to get out all his like emo whining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it will be like hugely unpopular, and they'd be like, right, see, got out of your system. system. How Good. did how do you think that went, Jordan? I think it went poorly. Yeah. Do you think it went poorly, Jordan? <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. Wow, they really they really tore you apart in the in the papers, huh? Yeah. Now. How about back in the van? <laughs> back in, back the, in the van, van we're going to and Lafayette they, so you can prance around yeah, in a fountain. Jig around <laughs> in a fountain like a haunted tree. <laughs> and, and there you go, rebellion quashed. In school while they're having this chat, 
Brittany notices that Natasha is wearing a very unique ensemble, mm. clothing-wise. It looks a bit like if Cindy Lauper shopped at Hot Topic. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't really know how to describe it, and I don't know if it's important to describe it. But she's completely changed her hair as well. But Brittany's like, hey, Natasha, wow, you're wearing really unique clothes. I don't really understand what the point of it of this is, though. Yeah. Do you? Okay, so this, so the next thing that happens is is incredibly baffling. We get a bit of Brittany saying Operation Save Jordan was yes. was launched, and then we cut to the girls shopping. This is part of the plan somehow. They're sort of trying on hats yeah. and stuff. We then cut to Jordan's wardrobe trailer. First to go, the tacky Vegas clothes says Brittany. We see a woman throw Jordan's clothes into a charity bin. We then cut to Jordan in a t-shirt and hoodie, dancing with Eddie. Yeah. Then his manager comes in and looks at the clothes rack, which is all jeans and sweaters. What what happened here? Okay, okay, okay. What happened? What? So they're like, first thing to go was the clothes, but they don't they don't have access to Jordan's okay, clothes. Okay, okay, okay. So I can tell you what happened in real life. Okay. It wasn't clear. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, the director of this film. Yeah, forgot, forgot, to... To, forgot to make it clear. And the reason you know, Andy, that they forgot to make it clear is because at this point, quite late into the film, for the first and I think the only time, we get a little bit of emergency voiceover from Brittany explaining yeah. what they're doing. Well, do you know what the emergency voiceover should have said? Was, we phoned the wardrobe department and told them to throw out all of Jordan's yeah. clothes. But they don't. And no one explains that that... I assume that's what happened. So here's what happens. Here's the order of events. Brittany and Natasha go into a, a Hollister or a something. Mm-hmm. And Abercrombie, Abercrombie and, Fitch. and Fitch. And they look at all of the cool, hip clothes and they think, I bet Jordan would look really good in this one. Then they pick up Jordan's phone, which they have, and maybe go through the contacts, find wardrobe department, yeah. call the wardrobe department. Now, someone in the wardrobe department gets a call from Jordan. However, when they answer the phone... A teenage girl is on the other end and is saying, "Hey, yeah." But they can like successfully bluff being his PA. I or guess, part of his yeah, team or yeah. Whatever, and sure. they and so I guess they're supposed to be saying, "Hey, Jordan's going to have new clothes now, and let me tell you the product codes for th- for them." Yeah. So uh, what you need to do, write this down. You need to go to Abercrombie and Fitch, and you need to look for. You need to buy the ugliest beanie in the yeah, world. Yeah. W- what you're looking for is a kind of grey beanie with a stripe on it. The product code is A and F X five seven seven three four, and we think Jordan would probably be good in a medium. And then the wardrobe department replaces his wardrobe. I think that's not even that's not even the oddest thing though, because that's the first part of Operation Save Jordan, and I can kind of believe that that yeah. works because they could. But it's it's just totally un- unexplained. They say it has them shopping, but they're not they're shopping for clothes for themselves in the shopping scene like they put on a sort of furry hat yeah but i think they're they're auditioning clothes for jordan they're like how would you imagine i'm jordan do you think we should call jordan's wardrobe department and say jordan must wear this now okay i think that's right but i mean i'm I'm just playing devil's advocate i I think that's what the film is going for but don't get me wrong okay we can't we can't get too hung up on this but okay they just this scene is baffling it's not properly explained what's going on and i just was extremely confused but what you need to know is that jordan is now dressed in much worse clothes somehow. <laughs> yeah. Gone is his old gone is his old outfit and with it <laughs> old West yeah, Mortician. Gone, gone is his outfit and with it his hopes of bringing his miracle tonic to the West Coast where they're building a bridge of gold. <laughs> yeah. And now he's kind of dressed like the uh, guy who films the plastic bags from American Yes, Beauty. yes, yes, yes. That's it. So in this montage, we I, I mean, I wish we hadn't talked for so long about that because I really need to dig into this. We see Britney writing in this montage, we see Britney writing her lyrics for her song, The Closed Door. Mm-hmm. The lyrics in the book have all been blurred out. 
<laughs> just because they were so explicit. What the hell? What the hell? I tried to do like frame advance because I was desperately, desperately hoping there was one frame where they hadn't blurred them properly or maybe there was another shot where you could just about make it out. Found it on YouTube. <gasps> Andy, you absolute bloody legend. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's it's still hard to make out. The city is a... The city is a something. Don't want to be a... Don't want to be a... You... Not... Not a pretty face. Not a pretty face. Don't don't know if I'll be. Don't know if I'll be. I I I've got to the I've drama. Got to, I've got I've got I've, to the. I've got I've got to the drama. I've, I've, I've forgot the drama. <laughs> I've got to the drama. <laughs> I think the reason it's blurred is because they're terrible. I think that has to be it. Do you think? Yeah. It's just what. But like, why then? Why haven't they blurred everything else in this film? <laughs> why haven't they blurred <laughs> they the blurred entire the movie? Entire film? <laughs> <laughs> just pop a Gaussian blur over this whole this whole MP4. <laughs> you, you should only be able to watch Stuck in the Suburbs as if through thick frosted glass. Yeah, <laughs> don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a load of hiss over the audio so you can't really make that out either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, they've blurred all the lyrics. I thought maybe it would like mention a brand or a musician or something that they can't show. No, it's just not very good lyrics, I think. That's mad. So, so okay. Yeah. So, do you think that they put this on Disney Plus and were like, "Wow, it's more HD than it's ever been." Now you can see the lyrics are bad. Let's throw a blur up. Now you can see she's extremely untalented. I just, yeah, I just assumed that these lyrics were like so explicit. Like she's she's like working in a sort of vein of like Corn or Lil Wayne or something. It's like it's it's like an absolute yeah yeah yeah. You know, like almost an art an artistic ex- use of profanity. Or just it was like a, a sort of roast of Michael Eisner or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's just bad lyrics, I think. I'm Michael Eisner. I like to kiss a mouse. <laughs> He's like, how did you find <laughs> No one must see this. Blur this whole film. They assured me the cameras were off. Ravishing Rick Rude. Why did you allow this in your film? <laughs> it's a good, it's a good um, job you have so many wrestler names. <laughs> You've yeah. run out. Yeah. Um, so the montage continues. Two dogs come into Jordan's room for some reason. Did the girls order them on his phone? It, uh, it's but but like, no one ever tells you us. wouldn't believe how Jordan goes with this. Dogs burst into his hotel suite and he just runs towards them. He's just hugging and loving on these dogs. Yeah, r- ruffling their yeah. sweet fur. Eddie pleads for the phone back. Brittany says no. Call the police, Eddie. At this point, just call the police. Uh, Brittany changes the title of her song from the closed door to the open door. And she jams around in her room with her guitar. Cooper bursts out of her closet yep. again. Yeah, it's enough to drive her deviant brother out of the wardrobe and yeah. and room. He's like holding his ears. Don't worry, he'll be back in. Yeah. He has all sorts of ways. Sorts of in the ducts. In the ducts, in the vents, <laughs> in the wall. <laughs> Sliding through like tombs. Like tombs. <laughs> In a brief and very confusing clip, we see Jordan playing frisbee golf with some of his assistants playing the roles of the holes. So, like, yeah. there's an assistant with a sort of a post-it note. Yeah, it says par, it says par five, five on it, and he throws, throws a frisbee, a frisbee into this man. Now, yeah. there's no way that this is something that Brittany and Natasha set up with the phone, right? It's, I mean, it's as plausible as anything else. I, I suppose so. Anyway, the end of the montage, manager Len is reading a magazine. Jordan is on the cover of Issues magazine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the headline... Yeah, you know, all the issues. The headline says, the, <laughs> the real Jordan revealed. We cut back to the music video set. Yeah. Jordan is in his new cool clothes, which is a beige beanie, yeah. a grey sweater with an eagle on it, tucked into extremely unflattering supermarket jeans mm-hmm. and black leather shoes. 
Um, he says it's still not working for him. Yep. Uh, Len is pissed. He starts cheering out, Eddie, one more surprise and it's back to the basement for both of you. Now go and convince Jordan to sing the song I want him to sing. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, meanwhile, Brittany is playing the guitar. It's a terrible, terrible song. Brittany is singing the so- a song. It goes like this. I'm not going to give up my tears and let love pass me by. I know I'll find what I'm praying for. I've just made mm. a note that the really explicit stuff must be in the chorus. <laughs> Real deviant shit. Yeah, like just real messed up. Real, real like, yeah, a lot of swearing, but also like violent, violent. Uh, yeah, violent, violent imagery. imagery. Yeah, yeah. So she was playing this down the phone to Natasha. Natasha says it's great. It was not great. You would though, wouldn't you? You'd hold the phone away from your ear and wait until it was finished and then be like, wow, so mm. good. I can't wait to hear more. Wow, that was great. Yeah. Uh, don't need to hear any more though. Yeah. She goes down the stairs. Her mum is inconsolable about the rubbish old house. You're fighting for something you believe in, says her dad. Mm. So, you know, really fighting for these uh, social issues. The campaign to save the old house doesn't appear to be working at all. Maybe not enough people were honking. There's going to be a big rally on Saturday, but only seven people are scheduled to attend. She's devastated. But the mum explains to the dad, they don't realise that Brittany's listening in on this conversation, why it's so important to her to save the old house. She says it's the last thing that makes our little corner of suburbia the least bit unique. Real family of eavesdropping deviants, these uh, Aaron's. Aaron's. And from the doorway, Brittany mouths an island of hope in a sea of sameness to herself. Yeah, the world's greatest lyric, yeah. And gets, and gets an idea. Yeah. Um, so back in the swanky Holiday Inn, Eddie answers um, Brittany's phone. And like everyone else in this film does all the time, he says a bunch of stuff before checking to see who it is uh, about Jordan and a load of other stuff. Yes. Um, it turns out it's not Brittany at all. It's one of the other girls. And now they realise that Brittany is involved with Jordan somehow. Mm. At school, she's swamped by the gang of girls. Yeah, more and as a note, she's dressed similarly to Natasha, which is quite cute. That'll be why she commented on her outfit earlier. Mm. Fine. So the girls will mob Brittany at school. They say, do you really know Jordan Kale? Is it possibly true? And she responds, yes, even though she doesn't. <laughs> she hasn't met him. More kids yeah. are gathering now. Uh, and, and Brittany yeah. is basically claiming credit for Jordan's new look saying the haircut or my idea those new clothes or my idea everyone natasha's trying to sort of push her way through the crowd to say and and I, I was, was there, there natasha also helped but uh, isn't able to because the such is the such as the throng of teen girls desperate to yeah. hear more hanging on her every word she leaves after this um despondent yes. so natasha has gone and uh, yeah there's 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 going to be a bit of a falling out between Brittany and natasha yeah Brittany says she's going to make jordan sing at the uh rubbish old house rally um, everyone freaks out and we cut to her telling Eddie that that's the deal. Jordan sings at the rally. Brittany gives the phone back. What? That's the deal. Jordan sings at the rally tomorrow and I give the phone back. No, th- there's absolutely no way. It's impossible. He has to. I've already told people. Well, that's not my problem. But it has to be your problem. Where are you? Okay, fine. If Jordan's not there tomorrow, then I'll erase everything on his phone. Including... His address book, his to-do list, oh, and all the songs that he's No, 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 you can't do that. Those are the only copies I made. I never downloaded them. And that's not my problem. So, two o'clock, he'll be there? Yes, he'll be there. Excellent. Oops, gotta go. It's the girlfriend. Hi, Penelope. So Brittany says if Jordan isn't there, she'll erase everything on the phone, including the address book, the to-do list, and every song he's ever written. This is extortion and the literal definition of blackmail yeah arrest her 
<laughs> arrest this girl. Yeah, yeah this is, uh, Brittany is is starting to take things too far. Basically, she's 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 mm-hmm. drunk with power. She fields a call from Penelope, Jordan's girlfriend, and tells uh, Penelope that he's not available. Yeah. Um, so she's now meddling in Jordan's personal life. Quick as a flash, she ruins his relationship, hangs up. Yeah. We cut to her eating a gigantic banana split. Her parents are impressed that she got Jordan Cahill to go to the house. Why events. do they believe this? So they're at home and Brittany says to the parents like, oh, hey, good news. You know, your rally for this crappy old house. Well, the biggest, mm-hmm. the, the icon of America, Jordan Cahill is going to come and, and sing at it. And care about it. And the parents are like, um, wow, that's, that's so great. And the mum's like, this is going to be like a real protest rally, you know, like people used to do for like civil rights and the Vietnam War. You know, one of these really serious social issues. Yeah. Saving this old house. Making sure that this old house gets repainted. Making sure that this this big rich house that rich people used to live in. Yeah, but don't care to live in anymore. Yeah. Doesn't get demolished and turned into a coffee yeah. place. Doesn't become a Duncan. Man, an equally good cause. But you wouldn't believe it, would you? If I told you I'd got Justin Bieber to sing at your birthday... You wouldn't be like, wow, Luke, good get. Mm. You'd be like... I'd say, wow, where did you get $45 million? I'd say, yeah, something's gone wrong with Luke. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, the sister is like, um, Jordan will be depressed, though, at the show because his girlfriend just broke up with him. Mm. And Brittany goes, no! And sort of runs off. Um, What did he think was going to happen when he fielded a call from his girlfriend and said, hi, I'm Brittany. Yeah. Uh, He can't come to the phone right now. Bye. Yeah. So anyway, she runs up into the room and it's there that she gets... Turns on the TV. Actually, I think she watches it on the... Well, hang on, oh, hang sorry, on. So, sorry. Just, she yeah. runs off and then her brother tries to get in front of that banana split and the dad picks it up and puts it in a cupboard. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> notice that. He didn't... Okay, he picks up this... It's like an ice cream dessert. Yeah, and he, he opens like a kitchen cabinet yeah. and places it inside the cabinet and then sort of looks at it This weirdly. is the cabinet where we keep banana splits. Yeah. No, no, son, you can't have any of this banana split. I'm going to leave it to melt and go bad in this cupboard. <laughs> Maybe that's where he took it out from. Maybe that's why she didn't finish it. It was like, oh, you want a banana split? I'll get it out of the cupboard. Maybe they've been working on this banana split for months. Yeah, I'm just, I just think that was a really odd choice from Jerry the King Lord, yeah. <laughs> the director of this film. So anyway, Brittany runs upstairs and is watching the, the latest music update from the bloke who looks like he's doing war dispatches. He sounds... <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah, he sounds face. haggard and exhausted. Lately, nothing seems to be going right for the Prince of Pop. He's now hairless, loveless, and insiders tell us his new video is behind schedule. Is Jordan's reign finally coming to an end? So he describes Jordan now as hairless and loveless. He's again, he's not hairless. He's got loads of hair. hair. It's just shorter than it was. And like, he's broken up with his girlfriend. I thought this was the kind of thing that TV shows like this absolutely loved. I thought this was, you know, generally like good news if you're MTV or something, right? Like, he's announcing this breakup like a second plane has hit the tower. (laughs) It's. It's yeah, it's it's unbelievable the vibe. Whereas actually, you would be like, "Hey, hey, guess what? Guess what happened? Jordan's back on the market." Bit, yeah, girls, bit of, of yeah, yeah, bit of juicy news from Casa de Jordan. Looks like he's broken up with Penelope. Yeah, but no, it's like I I think Jordan's career is over now. Yeah, he's no longer with Penelope. I don't know how to tell you all and, this. And he hasn't. He's got less hair than he he's did. got less hair. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's over. No. We're supposed to be helping him, says Brittany. And then uh, her brother, who was disguised as a laundry basket, <laughs> springs up and flees out of the he's, room. It's like a transformer. It like, <laughs> it's like roll out. You know, he's sort of, this, this laundry basket, just yeah. sort of the arms swing out and the head pops up. And it's, yeah, it's little Cooper. 
wow, you must feel horrible. He he chitters and scampers yeah. away like a little goblin. <laughs> uh, we cut to Brittany arriving at N- Natasha's house. Yes. Uh, she meets her yes. mum. Because in all of this, in all this excitement, Brittany has lost touch with Natasha and hasn't spoken to her in ages. Yeah. Um, her mum says uh, she's so glad to see her making friends because she's shy and it's hard for Natasha to make friends. It turns out that her dad is actually a stationary salesman and Natasha's backstory is all lies. Yes. Um, so she goes up to her room. Natasha is hating on Brittany for taking all the credit for ruining Jordan's life. Is there anything you won't do to be the centre of attention, she says, and they have a big argument about being liars and if they're fabulous or not. Oh, I'm not really a Jordan Cahill fan. Please, you love him. I lived with my dad in Europe. I'm fabulous. Your parents aren't even divorced. Your dad is a salesman. So? And I never said they were. And I am fabulous. It's the only reason you even talk to me. I talked to you because I felt sorry for you. You talked to me because you thought I was cool. More like pathetic. Okay, well, if I'm so pathetic, then how come you're so desperate to be just like me? Nice outfit. Yeah, I want to be different. I want to stand out. Well, newsflash, there's absolutely nothing unique about you. It's not true. Calling me a liar? Your life's a lie. I should have never listened to you. I should have just given the phone back when I wanted to. Oh, like this is all my fault? There's absolutely nothing unique about you, says Natasha. Yeah, and Brittany's like, that's not true. That's impossible. That's impossible. (laughs) That's exactly what it's like. So Brittany flees in tears. And then brilliantly, I think this is one of my favourite bits of the movie, we get a montage of flashbacks of their great friendship set to A Whatever Life by Hayley Duff. Oh, okay. I didn't realise it was an extant song. I looked it up because I thought this song sounded like a little bit too real. Like not, yeah, it's not very audio (laughs) network. Yeah. And yeah, it's a... Like this isn't just some audio network picked out by Brett the Hitman. No, it it isn't. This is a Hayley Duff Duff original and it's A Whatever Life. Nice. So anyway, at the end of this... Brittany realising the folly of her ways and her her hubris. She phones Eddie and apologises for everything, says, I'm really sorry, I'll give you the phone back. But it turns out things have already got bad. Eddie says, I wish wish you'd called me about this slightly earlier because I had to tell Jordan the truth because he wanted to know where his phone was. And he found out... It's weird that this happened off camera because yeah. it seems like it would have been a pivotal scene. Kind of, yeah, pivotal scene in the movie. Yeah, but Eddie yeah. says over the phone to Brittany, Jordan found out that his life was being controlled by two teenagers. In fact, the more I think about it, the yeah. more outrageous this is because the whole the whole crux <laughs> of this drama is, oh boy, what's Jordan going to fi- think when he realises that yeah. his life is being controlled by two teenage girls? Imagine if in um, Titanic you had the whole sort of build up on the ship yeah. and then you sort of cut to someone in England going, did you hear the Titanic Yeah, reading thing? a newspaper. Like, yeah. yeah. It happens in Downton oh, Abbey. Was... Just show that that scene from Downton Abbey. Yeah. Were there any survivors? Oh, it seems this woman Rose survived, but uh, uh, Jack, Jack sadly passed away. the door. No, oh, terrible business. Roll credits. Well, <laughs> thanks for watching our film. That's our, that's our that's film, our everyone. Thanks for coming out. Thanks that's for coming out, everyone. Uh, we were going to do a ship sinking scene. Uh, James Cameron has unfortunately had to start work on Avatar. James Cameron is unfortunately buried in a pile of erotic... Uh, Navi fan art of his own of his own design. He's at the bottom of the Mariana Trench uh, in a submarine with Navi yeah. fan art. So he, he will says, be down there. We can't says, reach no matter him. what you hear. Do not, do not, do not, do not come in. Do not come into the Mariana <laughs> Trench. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I say yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, so so yeah. It's it's absolute. It's really bizarre. Uh, but Jordan has received this news and reacted to it off camera. Eddie tells Brittany that Jordan has stormed off and he has disappeared. He is He's run away. He's run away. He's gone missing. <laughs> like a small child. Yeah. Len, manager Len, when he hears this news, 
recruits two goons. Yeah, he's got a couple he's of thugs couple. on yeah. payroll. They grab Eddie and they and they they say we're all they frog march him out of the fountain that he's. We're in. all going on a quest to bring Jordan back. Len is going as well. Yeah, he's he's activated find my iPhone on Jordan. Yeah, so phone. yeah, um, so he says that high end phones have a global tracker, so you never lose them. And Eddie, realizing that this was one of his many many options for finding mm-hmm. the phone quickly, is flabbergasted. He can't he can't believe this. He's like, that was an option. I don't Another plot it. hole. Sealed. Yeah. Well, you think you know better than me, the director of this film, Randy Piper. <laughs> so uh, Brittany is sat on a bench in a park. This is the point in the film where basically the whole thing turns into a, a series of long, slow bicycle chases. Yeah. So we can probably start to breeze through it. Brittany's on a bench and Jordan phones her. He's remarkably chill about the hacking of his personal data. She says that he's he's accessed his lyrics, but that they're incredible and should be recorded. Jordan says that the record company owns him and his next six albums. So, and he has to do what Len says. So he, he has no choice. He can't be the free coffee house POTUS that he, <laughs> that, he, that he believes himself to be. Flying around on coffee house Air Force One. In the background of the shots of Britney, we see Len's minivan pull up behind Britney. Len has now decided to, to sort of become a cartoon Scooby-Doo villain and give chase in a minivan yeah. with Eddie and two hired thugs. Yeah, there's a chase. It's madcap, yeah. the music tells us. Britney gets home and uh, Natasha is in her room um, waiting to apologise. They hug and make up and they tell each other the truth. Yes. And Britney says, I think that Jordan loved everything we did except for the threats and the extortion. <laughs> apart from that, apart from that, I think he loved it. So here's the tension here. The rally, the big rally to save the the old house or whatever, is in one hour. Yeah. But how are they going to get Jordan there? Because Jordan is hu- currently hiding out from Len and his goons. But don't worry, Natasha says mm. that she has an idea. They get ready to leave. But first, Brittany's like, oh, hang on. First, let me just... She feels like someone's just walked over her grave. Yeah, first, let me just, as I have to do every 30 or 45 seconds or so, kick my weirdo brother out of my room. She flings open the cupboard. Yeah. But he's not there. That's weird. Huh, that's odd. And then they leave the room. And as she leaves the room, she closes the door. And we see that Cooper is actually hanging off the back of her door. On the coat hook. Somehow he's somehow he's managed to hang himself from his, the back of his collar on the coat hook. And he goes, yes, for yeah. some reason. Now, okay, so this is impossible because we see the back of the door at the start of this scene. It's ajar when she enters the room. And Natasha was in the room when she <laughs> Natasha enters. would have seen Coop. No, may- oh, my God. Maybe Natasha put Cooper up there. Maybe. Maybe they're in cahoots. Yeah. Maybe that's the only reason she wanted to get close to Brittany, to allow Cooper to have more avenues to invade Well, maybe privacy. Cooper approached Natasha. With, with a, a business, business proposition. <laughs> I have a business proposition for you, Natasha. Make friends with my sister. Achieve ingress yeah. into her bedroom and leave the door unlocked. <laughs> yeah, so that's it's, fun. It's like the all these decoms have weird running jokes that they go back to. You know, mum can't yeah. cook or like the brother loves hacking or like something like this. But the regularity with which they go back to Cooper being inside Britney's room is it's really full on. It's like six or seven times throughout it, And the movie. it's a movie that's an hour and 18 minutes long. So... You know, yeah. it's like a large percentage of this film is her chasing Cooper out of her room or finding him lying silently under the bed. <laughs> moving through the vents <laughs> like tombs. So, so uh, they, they go to leave, they go to leave the house 
Um, this is Brittany and Natasha now. They open the front door. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's Eddie and Len. Oh, no. The chase picks back up again. Yeah, they turn and flee out the back garden, screaming and waving their arms around the whole time. They hop a fence into the neighbours. Yeah. Uh, they fall. It looks like they crush a cat, judging by the sound effects, but no time. No time. Yeah, sure. They run out into the street and uh, the brother turns up with a bike. He says, I thought you might need this. She's like, but how did you know? And he says, don't worry. I was hanging on the back of your door, uh, just listening and watching and breathing. She's like, <laughs> great. Brittany says, that's great. Thank you so much. And then, confusingly... They put on bicycle helmets mm-hmm. and the minivan drives past yep. the minivan that's looking for them. Yep. And so I think we're led to believe that them putting on bike helmets is enough of a disguise that the minivan doesn't see them. Even though... Even though they have a GPS. Even though they have a GPS lock on the phone. because They're tracking, the, they're tracking Jordan's phone mm-hmm. and Natasha and Brittany have Jordan's phone. Also, they are two girls getting onto bikes round the back of Brittany's house. Where they just found them. And also they are wearing all the same clothes yep. they have already seen Britney in, like, just moments ago. Yep. And, they, you know, they're quite distinctive, these two girls. I think you'd probably spot them. Yeah. Also, it's not a busy street. Like, if you see two teen girls, they're probably yeah. the ones you're looking for. And also, your GPS thing is anyway, going... Anyway, they cycle off. The phone is right here. But, fine. It's it's so... It's it's going... Your yeah. phone is at 123 Orange Blossom. Your phone is at 124 <laughs> Orange Blossom. Your phone is at 125 Orange yeah. Blossom. It's like that specific... Your phone is stopped in the middle of the street on a bike. Your phone is putting on a bicycle helmet. Your phone is cycling away in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) The phone is like, I wish I had hands so that I could like point. It's there. The phone is there. I'm doing such a good job. right there. I'm doing such a good job at locating this phone. It's right there. So the girls cycle off. Natasha's on the phone to the to the news network. Everyone's on the phone. There's, everyone's on the phone all the time. Promising exclusives. Stuck in the middle with you by Steeler's Wheel so starts playing. That's so weird. Like, <laughs> this is post-Reservoir Dogs, you know. So, yeah. So I don't know. Um, the girls stopped for ice cream, it seems, because Natasha requires a cone. Maybe this is the point at which... Maybe, this is, maybe Eddie and Len actually got in the house and... Cut off their ear and set them on fire. Cut off, <laughs> cut off Jordan Cale's ear. Oh, you want a new image, do you? How about this? How about this? Well, here's one. Jordan Cahill, the one-eared on fire <laughs> pop singer. He can no longer do that thing where he like pushes his finger up yeah. against his ear to sort of hear his own harmonies because his ear is gone. Also, he's on fire and dead. Yeah, so he's all sounds all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's actually in a diner two blocks away wearing the world's ugliest hat Uh, he takes it off to reveal the world's ugliest haircut his meal came with a free Jordan Cahill bobblehead doll inside everyone in the diner realises who he is and then um, the girls see him uh, with a pursuing mob Yeah, he's doing a very slow jog and a bunch of girls are doing a very slow jog but they've sped up the footage which needless to say does not convince you the viewer that this is happening at speed it just makes you think that (laughs) like they miscalculated the film and it turned out i don't know the mickey mouse club was was coming on in in half an hour so they were like oh we need this film actually to be sort of two minutes shorter so can we just accelerate several of the scenes Hey, american nightmare cody rhodes director of this film could you wrap this up a little quicker sure thing no not a problem so Brittany and Natasha pass Jordan on the street. I told you this is a series of slow bicycle chases. Yeah, slow bicycle chases. They pass Jordan fleeing on foot from a gang of slow-moving teens. They say, come with us, we'll, we'll hide you. And then we smash cut to them having taken refuge in a plastic tunnel. They're hiding in a pipe. They're hiding in a pipe in a kid's playground. Yeah. Like a big plastic pipe. It's not exactly clear how they've evaded the slow-moving teens because they were keeping pace 
when they were on a bicycle. Handily, yeah. But you know what? It doesn't matter. They swap phones back, but before they do, the girls hold the two phones together and say, file sent. Hit universal send. Oh, here. Um, I think this belongs to you. Oh, thank you. And as nice as this is, pink just isn't my color. Then what was that you were wearing in the Take My Heart video? Um, before you get too attached, just one quick thing. Brent? File sent. Hit universal send. All right. Now the whole world has your lyrics to more than me. So you know that thing that phones do where you can send it, you can CC the entire world <laughs> on a file transfer. Yeah, you can like Bluetooth something to the entire planet. Yeah, you just uh, you have to be careful not to hit that button. Yeah, the unit, what the universal send button. Yeah, universal. Yeah, send. it's weird that they include that, but um, what they've done is they've emailed or possibly texted or possibly SMSed. MMS is MMS. Do you remember MMS? Yeah, they've MMS Jordan's lyrics to the entire world, and now the whole world. It's going to cost them all two pounds to receive. The world economy collapses. <laughs> As everyone yeah. is charged two pounds simultaneously. Yeah. Sprint Mobile becomes the most valuable company in the world. <laughs> <laughs> they ascend to America's throne. No longer is Jordan Cahill the icon of America. No, now it's, it's the, the CEO, CEO of Sprint. Sprint Mobile. <laughs> it's that gecko from Geico. Yeah. So now the whole world has the lyrics to more than me. Yeah. We see a bunch of girls looking at their phones and screaming. This, um... <laughs> Again, it's like that kind of split screen grid of like, I'll tell two friends and you tell two friends as the news spreads throughout America. The grid of teen girls receiving Jordan's lyrics on their phones, however, is quite funny because it fills up the screen like block by block, mm-hmm. but they only filmed about five or six teens. Yeah. So it's a lot of it, the same teens. It, yeah, it's like it's the same teens popping up in like different parts of the screen. <laughs> oh, man. It's, and that's not like that's not me trying to sort of roast it on a podcast. I've noticed something that isn't obvious, but it's like a little goof. It's really clear. <laughs> like you can't miss that this is like the same five children. Oh, it's brilliant. They were trying. But anyway, Len receives these lyrics. Yeah, and he sort of scrolls his through. And we get to we finally get to see these incredible lyrics that Jordan has written. And the problem the problem with this is that they've sort of written themselves into a corner with this because they've they've said that Jordan writes these incredible transcendent artistic lyrics full of longing and pain that are sort of above anything else that he's been doing in his career. He's a real artist, a real poet. So they've written. Yeah, we got. We, he's a little Jeff Buckley. Yeah, but we're, you know, but he's being forced to be a Bieber. But the problem is now they have to show us these lyrics, which means that the writer of this film, the writer of Stuck in the Suburbs, the Disney Channel original movie, now has to write lyrics which are artistic and moving, and now has to inhabit Jeff Buckley. Yeah. and channel his genius. So this is what what they they finished on. Yeah, let's hear it. Take away the lonely pain, and you Damn. help me rise above the flames. Been so lost, baby. Now I'm found. Since you've been gone, no additional lyrics. Since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute. Hang on. The, all these lyrics are plagiarised. Not only are they bad, they just don't mean anything. <laughs> no, they don't mean anything at all. Yeah. Yeah, but, you, but, yes, but, but Andy, you have to imagine Jordan Cahill in his basement with his acoustic guitar and his, his cut glass voice. Well, the, soul, Soulfully and tenderly singing it into a close mic. The other problem with this, and it's a big one. <laughs> Is that J- Jordan? Can't wait to hear this. Jordan only writes lyrics. The music is still the same, and the music is like yeah. He can write whatever he wants. He can write all these, but it's still going to have like 
girl, bad old girl. Like in the background. Yeah, it yeah, could be like right. it could be the, the the darkest. Yeah, Jeff Buckley esque lyrics yeah. ever, and it's still <laughs> set to like was... an NSYNC. I heard there was a secret chord, oh baby, that Joseph played, and it pleased the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's they never really address. David played, and it pleased the Lord. Sorry, Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> right, go on. It never addressed that it's just like this poppy background and he's going to be over it being like, and she weeps on my arm, walking to the bright lights in sorrow. Oh, drink a bit yeah. of wine. We both might go tomorrow. Oh, my love. And the rain is falling and I believe my time has come. Yeah, it's like, wow, this is really dissonant, Jordan. This doesn't mm, fit. But, but, <laughs> yeah. Well, what can I say? I might fish. leave behind and I film drown my name so easy to know and forget with this kiss. I'm not afraid to go, but it goes so slow. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Jordan Cahill's phase two career is going <laughs> to gonna work out. No. <gasps> anyway, so Eddie realises that these are Jordan's lyrics and that he's premiering yeah. it this afternoon. Um, they yes. see the bike. Uh, they inf- yeah. somehow, the, somehow the message with the lyrics also contains the information that Jordan is going to be premiering his new look and phase and single yeah. at this at crappy house, old crappy house, old house, on, the house corner of, on the corner of nowhere. Yeah. It- <laughs> the one that was CC'd to everyone in the world. <laughs> everyone in the world. <laughs> so they see- Tony Blair has this message. <laughs> America's enemies have it. Um, yeah. At home and abroad. Now they know where yeah. Jordan's going to be. Um, they, the goons all see the bike and the pipe. The goons run into the pipe and start fighting each other for a bit. But Jordan isn't there. It's just the phone. They've so, yeah. finally evaded them. We cut to the girls and Jordan uh, driving to the event. I'm trusting you two. I owe you that much, says Jordan in the car of the girls who stole his phone and ruined his life. Yeah. Jordan confesses that he too grew up in the suburbs yeah. and, and discovers that Britney writes her own music. I spent the whole time desperate to find a way out. Now that I'm out, I I don't know what I'm searching for. An island of hope and a sea of sameness? Hey, that's pretty good. Do you uh you mind if I use that something? <laughs> it's not mine. It's Britney's. She writes songs. No, I don't. Just two. Just two. Just two. Just two. Just two. Okay, maybe a little. But not like you. Well, I certainly hope it's something you're going to pursue. Uh, someday if I ever get it. <laughs> <laughs> you can be stuck anywhere, you know, but you can't blame the location. You can only blame yourself. Suburbs are just a state of mind. Sorry. An island of hope in the sea of sameness is just the the lyric that keeps on giving. Yeah, right. The great lyric that everyone agrees is great. It's beautiful. Meanwhile, though, at the rally for the crappy old house, a poisonous mood has gripped the Assembles crowd. <laughs> the the mum is trying to convince people the house is good. President, yeah. President Truman did a shit here once, she says. <laughs> <laughs> a woman frothing at the mouth shouts, "We don't care about your stupid old house. We want Jordan." Yeah, and the 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 crowd kind of takes this up as we the want crowd Jordan. is starting to get ugly. Yeah, but luckily, don't worry because then in a car, Jordan actually arrives. Yeah, Britney's mom and dad are starstruck by Jordan. They're not even at all interested or concerned to know how he appears to be so close with their daughter and with how their teen daughter, this thirty-five-year-old man, and how they arrived together. They're just like, oh wow, cool, Jordan Cahill, trippy. Woo. So Jordan Cahill heads behind the old house. Yeah, They're obviously it's just an old house, right? So yeah. there's no stage here. No, it's an old house he's never seen before. Yeah, so he goes behind the house, and everyone's waiting in front of the house, and what he's going to do is walk out onto the sort of second floor or first floor depending on how you count floors balcony of this old house 
Because it's you know it's kind of got that. It's old... got like a running wraparound balcony. Yeah, he's going to go out onto the balcony and he's going to do a, the, the greatest damn pop show you ever. The Beatles on the roof is going to have nothing on this. Yeah. But he stood there behind, kind of psyching himself up for this. But he's a bit nervous. But um, Britney comes and and has a chat with him. Britney is like, oh hey, I forgot one thing, and goes to get him a guitar. <laughs> he was going to go out there with no <laughs> guitar. guitar. He was going to go out there and just well, he's going to recite poetry. Yeah. His new lyrics. He's going to recite his spoken words poetry which is what his lyrics are it's his new phase just gonna say to the audience hey can i get a beat and they're gonna be like yeah oh no yeah so So, eddie has been dispatched by the manager to try and stop jordan from performing yeah len and the goons and eddie they 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 arrive here because because this information was in the mms eddie is like are you gonna throw everything away that we've we've worked for but he's like, uh, he apologises, but it's like, this is what I've got to do. And then Eddie's like, well, I'm going to do what I've got to do. And then he walks up to the balcony like he's going to throw himself off. <laughs> but in actual fact, he introduces Jordan. Yeah. No! Screams Len. Oh, also, when we see Len scream and do this good sort of Darth Vader, okay. no! Also, the sad reporter from the news is here. Oh, yeah. He's also, and he's, you know, looking very serious. This <laughs> is a grim set to his jaw. So, Jordan takes... What I guess passes for the stage yep. on this. I've I've <laughs> written down that I thought it would be so choice if Jordan played one chord and then f- fell through the rotten balcony <laughs> of this of this ropey old house. Was impaled on a shard of wood <laughs> in front of the world's <laughs> Just a, a rotten plank emerging from his mouth. And the mum's like, wow, <laughs> this house probably should have been condemned. <laughs> this house isn't safe at all. So while the paramedics are working on Jordan, um, <laughs> there's nothing to be done. He's fully in half. No, what he actually does is he walks up to the balcony and then he starts bad mouthing the cause. He's like, "Oh, this is kind of a crappy cause. It's not the biggest cause in the world, but hey, it's probably still important to someone." Am I right? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's like, "Hey, look, thanks, J Man. I get it. I'm I'm Jordan Cahill. Why am I yeah promoting this crappy old house or whatever?" Brittany returns with the thing that she forgot, as Luke pointed out. It's a guitar. <laughs> he says, "So he's like, oh, good. This will be helpful, will be helpful for me when for I do my show. song." <laughs> so he begins playing. He is immediately joined by a drummer, electric guitarist, and several backup vocalists. We don't see them at all at this point. His hand, his left hand, doesn't move at all. There's another montage of the girls' friendship to this song. We yeah. get another shot of the house, and it turns out there's a whole band on the lower deck of the house. Yeah. Who now? Where did, I don't know where they came from. How they're amplified. I don't know where they, how they learned this I don't know song. Where they came from. I don't know how they got. Yeah, it's a new song. Mm. It famously, it's a it's a song that only exists in Jordan's head. Yep. Uh, and anyway, we've we've got to hear some of this yeah. song anyway, haven't we? So much more Anyway, the song sucks and it goes on for ages. Uh, there's a key change and his hand doesn't move again. The girls are dancing. Everyone's having a nice time. Uh, the song ends. His hand didn't move once. The girls hug. And then we cut... His hand didn't, his move, hand at didn't move at all. The girl, we cut to Ashbrook House. It's been restored. One family is having a picnic on the lawn. A frisbee is thrown. So I guess you're now allowed to be in the sort of yard of the house. So A big win for the community, clearly. <laughs> Huge win for the community. People walk around coffeeless without gas in their cars. <laughs> 
they're like, wow, I should go go, should go for a Dunkin' right yeah, now. Yeah, I guess I'll just sit down on the lawn of this house. I can't go in it, but, but I can be in Look on. at this toilet. Truman shit in it. Truman, Truman did a shit in that. Uh, we cut to... Here's where Jordan Cahill died. <laughs> <laughs> That's... They weren't able to get his body off the... <laughs> so it's still it's there. there. <laughs> As a grim warning to other pop stars. Not to change their image. Yeah, Beyonce hasn't been back. <laughs> so we cut to the suburbs. The soccer team is in the car. Yeah. Britney's on the... This scene mirrors the one of the opening scenes. Yeah, Britney's on the phone and she's like, come to New York this weekend, Jordan. I don't know. Things are kind of busy. So Jordan is now inviting this teenage girl to come and stay with him in New York. Bit weird. Yeah, bit weird. However, the soccer team, they all spill into the house again and onto the sofa. Natasha has now joined the soccer team. So she is ingratiated with the social group. They gather once more to see a new Jordan video and the Jordan video music video is queued up on the TV. And then very confusingly, <laughs> very confusingly, the music video starts. And now Eddie is Jordan. <laughs> well, Eddie has Jordan died, didn't he? Eddie, Eddie has... <laughs> yes, Eddie has taken over the mantle of Jordan. Eddie is now Jordan. He's he... And- is now now if you didn't think that the actor playing Jordan was a convincing pop teen heartthrob <laughs> pop, pop wait idol, until you get a load of Eddie. Wait, wait until you see Eddie strutting around by this fountain doing his thing. I, I, I the 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 thing that feels so cruel about this is it's the last thing in the film. Yeah, it's lit. It's like it's like the film. It's like the film is like farting in the lift just as it gets out. <laughs> You know, Ed, Eddie, who was like, saw everything that Jordan went through and is he had the, the thing with the with Len. Len was like, you'll never work in this town again. He's now somehow been placed into Jordan's role, which presumably involves Len. It's the same music video. They're still jigging around in a fountain. Yeah. The backup yeah. dancers now are all Brittany and uh, Natasha and all their friends. So and if he's now Jordan. Yeah. Then, like, presumably that's in keeping with the six record deal. So, okay, so Eddie is serving up. out uh, Jordan's sentence at the record company. I get it. Well, yeah, actually, I suppose that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really sad ending for Eddie. Yeah. He's consigned. Well, yeah, while well, um, well, Jordan, the real Jordan, the original Jordan, is Jeff Buckleying it up in New York. Yeah. You know, playing probably cool jazz clubs yeah. and basements. Hopelessly and addicted to heroin. <laughs> yeah, but you know, in a fashionable way. Yeah, right. And yes, yeah, so yeah. he's doing that on the New York underground way. scene. Yeah. And Eddie, who looks amazingly awkward and out of place in this video, yeah. is now a pop Eddie idol. is imprisoned, forced to forced to produce six yeah. records both his, for Len. Both his ears have been forcibly pierced. <laughs> been sliced off in a reservoir. <laughs> uh the girls are all doing the dance routine in the living room as the music video plays. Uh they all run to the sofa. Um, and collapse in fits of giggles. The song plays a bit more. We pan out, and then the film ends. And then that's it. Yeah, the film ends. That's it. And then the film ends. It's a. It's an absolutely wild thing to drop in at literally the last five seconds. Eddie subsumes the role of Jordan. Yeah. Did you really think you, <laughs> you were the, were the first, first Jordan? Jordan. <laughs> Thor out another Jordan. This one's all used up. Yep. And then Sergeant Slaughter, the director of this film, uh, claps his, <laughs> brushes his hands together and is like, job done. Another great That's one in movie. the can. It's a movie, brother. <laughs> okay. Um, brief summing up thoughts on this movie. Do you have any? I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was good. I liked it. It's rubbish. It's rubbish, but I liked it. I think there's something very watchable about seeing the Disney Channel with no money trying to tell a story about 
a fabulously wealthy pop fabulously idol. wealthy and successful pop icon and basically everything that is funny to me about this film all flows from that mm-hmm. source um and yeah and it's enjoyable i also think pretty pretty solid performances from from the two leads oh yeah absolutely danielle panabaker who plays Brittany, and brenda song who we mentioned earlier who plays natasha yeah you know they've got they're really watchable they've got charisma you're kind of rooting for their friendship yeah their friends their friendship is out. very sweet the little montages yeah, you nice. get of their friendship are genuinely quite yeah. nice and moving and um taron killam again very good comedian uh very good yeah. in the role I think he's not, he doesn't necessarily look like a pop idol, but, you know, I think he does the best with what he's given. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd... And what more can you ask for in these movies, honestly? Yes. Yeah. Pretty fun stuff. Right. Can I read you some emails, Andy? Oh, please do. Okay. One thing about Taron Killam, he's, uh, I think, currently playing King George in Hamilton on Broadway. Really? Which is quite fun. Yeah. Holy cats. That's amazing. Would you like to hear Taron Killam's most recent tweet? I don't know. Yeah, go on then. In Hyrulean, sage means never stands next to you in battle, will always activate when you try to pick up apples. Hashtag Tears of the Kingdom. What? Yeah. This is amazing. Taron. The one before that was hashtag Tears of the Kingdom. Every boss will require 7,300 arrows to defeat them. There are only 12 arrows in the game. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for Taron's love Tears Taron of the Kingdom satire. This is great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are there are all the arrows you need. Yeah. There's, there's plenty. I don't know how, what Taron's doing, but, but like... Tears of the Kingdom, more like Taron's of the Killam. <laughs> oh man, that's brilliant. Okay. Let me read you this email from Alison W. Thank you, Alison. As always, everyone can get in touch with the podcast if they want to by emailing momcontcookpod at gmail.com. Alison W. writes, Andy and Luke, I have a possible theory on why Ariel in Ariel Cola. Stepsister from Planet Weird was able to calculate the volume of the swimming pool. Okay. Everyone on Zircalon are experts in fluid mechanics. Oh. In fluid mechanics and in general physics, liquids and gases are both considered fluids. So the equations that I use to calculate the volume of a gas are the same for the volume of a liquid. The reason the inhabitants of Zircalon need to understand fluid mechanics is that it's necessary for their survival. For example, surface tension explains how bubbles are formed and why they pop. Their learning of fluid mechanics would be similar to us learning human anatomy, but since bubbles are so much more fragile, it's more important for them to be experts in it. So there you go. Are you convinced? Does this explain away all your concerns? I take back everything I said. Uh, It's airtight. Uh, No pun intended. (laughs) I do like, I really like the idea that on Zircalon, they're teaching fluid mechanics, as, but like not just for its own academic sake, but in a kind of, you'll die if you don't know yeah, this. Yeah, it's like health class at school. And it's like sex education, because it's like, here's how a new bubble yeah, is made. Here's how much fluid mechanics you need to make a baby bubble. Yeah, to make a baby bubble. Yeah. That's nice. Also, thank you very much, Michael, for this email, who write, is writing in about whether porridge is soup. I'm writing in support of Andy's universal theory yes. of soup. Andy is correct. Yeah. Porridge comes from the word pottage or a thick soup. Not only that, but I'd like to point you to this recipe for golden soup from 1430. And then Michael includes the recipe for golden soup from 1430. It's in Old English, so I, okay. I can't read it. But it's like soups do- do- dory take good almond milk, e draw with wine. Wow, it's got almond milk le- in it. Yeah. Is it vegan? I, I Well, well, hang on, it's got wine. Let him boil to Gedaris and cast Pertus saffron and salt. I don't know. But Michael l- luckily explains, I don't know how good your Middle English is, I think you just heard, but that's medieval cinnamon toast crunch in almond milk with a few other additions like wine and saffron. It's described as good pottage. Sounds great. 
So yeah, I think you've been put in your place pretty heavily. And really. crucially, I think. Uh, well, you know what? I'm inclined to say I have. We did a poll, didn't mm-hmm. we, on our um, on the Mum Can't Cook extra helpings page that um, uh, supporters of the show can vote on. Should, shall I tell you now what the wh- where it stands? Yeah. Oh my god! Is porridge soup? Yeah. Fifty percent. What? Say yes, it's a note soup. Like Andy said, fifty percent say no. I'm with Luke on this one. Oh my! It is. God. It is a dead heat. Dead heat. A lot of votes. Damn. But a dead heat. Well, that is wild. Okay, well, you know what? If you're not already, go to Patreon.com/slash/extrahelpings. You can join our Patreon, and you, you can, can vote. You can or tip. If you have already joined but not voted, yeah. you miss. You, you got it. You tip know, the balance in, in favor in. of truth. That porridge is a soup. I just, I mean, no. I, I, Michael, I appreciate your reasoning, but it just feels good. Correct. Deeply, deeply correct. Is how that sentence finishes. Deeply correct. <laughs> thank you everyone for your emails that was great if you would like to get, leave a, a review for this podcast we think that would be just swell and dandy and you can do that on iTunes you can leave a, a message on Spotify you can rate five stars on Spotify as well Andy mm-hmm. you know what I'm going to ask you don't you I sure do what decom are we going to do next Luke next episode of Mum Can't Cook we will be doing Alley Cat Strike whoa a classic from the year 2000 I will read you the description from Disney Plus Yes, please. When an annual inter-school competition ends in a draw, the organisers turn to bowling to break the tie. Four outcast teens with a love for the lanes are thrust into the spotlight <laughs> along with the most popular and athletic kid in school who has never bowled a day in his life. Uh-oh, are these bowling nerds going to be able to win round a natural athlete? I imagine so. A national athlete, jock, and they're yeah, better. I imagine he won't have much trouble adapting to bowling. It will probably be straightforward. Well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? In Alley Cat Strike. So that's coming up in two weeks. If you cannot wait for more Mum Can't Cook, then, of course, Extra Helpings will be coming out exclusively for patrons next Monday with another recap episode of So Weird. Yep. Uh, right, Andy, I can't think of anything else that we need to say, except that to me, you are an island of hope in a sea of sameness. Ah, oh, well, Luke, to me, you are an island of crouton in a sea of soup. Damn it. So, and that's, I'm having that for breakfast. So what do you think about that? I think I think that you I think that you <laughs> winding me up on purpose has just put the jumping ship music in my head again. <laughs> Luke, I'm I'm very sorry about that, but I have an MP3 here you should listen to that I think is going to make it all okay. Okay, all right, well, let me hear it, because frankly, you owe me an apology. Oh, no! Oh, my God! Oh, no! Thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>